Hello, and welcome to Us Weirdos Have to Stick Together, the show where a couple of weirdos talk all about Infinity Train. My name is Patch, and I'm joined by the most wanted criminal on this side of the podcasting car. It's Vivian. How are you today, Vivian? I definitely messed up the intro. Yeah, I think you added a few more words. <laughs> yeah, I kind of fused it's it together with the X-Files one. Eh, it's fine. Anyways. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, it's only been two days since we recorded the last one because of, you know, we're both being busy next week between your move and... My mom coming up for like pride and stuff, so not much has been going on, and like I'm mostly just been like sitting around waiting for a shoe to drop during that job because they didn't get back to me yesterday, but they told me it could be until Tuesday. So how, how, not a lot's happened, I guess. <laughs> how dare you tell people listening four weeks in the future that we didn't <laughs> record this on the regular schedule? <laughs> Look, we have the tweet up on the Twitter being like, hey, we're recording again on Saturday because of these reasons. <laughs> and also, it's like, we, we have a history of saying exactly like what day it is that we record these, and people know already that we have a backlog. Yeah, we haven't exactly been subtle, that's fair. No, I, we haven't been subtle about it for like almost the entire year ever since. It was like, yeah, we have some episodes recorded. We don't know when we'll get them out because one of our hosts is currently dealing with not having a home at the moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Jesus Christ, that still only happened four and a half months ago. <laughs> Fuck. <sighs> yeah. Uh, it's fucking insane to think it's only been that long. And meanwhile, it's like, wow, is it already like only like two weeks left in June before it's already July? What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm not thrilled about having to drive 28 hours again. But yeah. at least while other people are driving, it's just a whole lot of time that I'll be able to edit show. <laughs> oh, you could do that on your phone. Uh, I mean, I've got a laptop, so. Oh, oh yeah, I true. I guess you don't need an internet connection to do that. Yeah. Yeah, as long as I've got the files already downloaded, I. I mean, true, a set of yeah. headphones, of course. I want to be courteous, but. Oh, you don't want your uh, family to hear us shouting "fuck" at the la- at the top of our lungs or anything? <laughs> hey, no, I have never sworn on this podcast. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you have. <laughs> no, no, I, I, that's that's not a thing I do. Is it just me then? <laughs> it's. I cannot go back through our entire backlog of almost seventy <laughs> episodes just to figure this out. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um. So the thing is, is that I generally do not swear, and it's not moral superiority or whatever, it's just that, in my humble opinion, if you swear all the time, it loses its impact, right? Like, the whole point is for emphasis, so I limit myself, I I get ten a year, that's it, because that way, when (laughs) it happens, you know it's important. (laughs) I'm now imagining you basically have like a swear jar, basically, where it's like there's like ten like count like tokens somewhere where you're like, well, I gotta make sure I even these out across the year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I used to kind of be that way too, but it's like I don't know. I think between like uh, getting older and especially also when I was around a bunch of people who didn't really censor themselves a whole lot, like at my job in Illinois a decade ago, I just have kind of gotten more used to just being like, yeah, I'll just occasionally drop swears and stuff. And it's like, it used to still be a case of me trying to do that, like not do that around my parents. But when they Mm -hmm. were really pissing me off almost years ago, especially like last, like two August ago when I last had visited when they did the infamous uh, attempt at trying to say that pronouns are like learning a second language, I really blew up at them, mm-hmm. and I don't try to censor myself around them anymore, because it's like, 
yeah, well, when I spend like 30 plus years not trying to do that kind of uh, terminology around you, the moment I try to blow, like actually break it out is when you should know I'm really fucking serious about what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but yeah, like I, I usually in like, I try to at least also watch myself with them around like jobs and stuff, obviously, but like. Yeah, most people also don't care. I've heard people say way worse than me. Like, <laughs> jobs. I guess I should say, that only applies to me, and that feels like a weird line, but it's like, if I am playing a character in a game, for instance, and that character is particularly foul-mouthed, those don't count against my total, because that's the character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's something also, funnily enough, that you bring that up. I also mentioned that with uh, my friends recently, because, like, in our current campaign, my one friend who usually plays the, like, hot-headed, like, uh, murder uh, lady kind of character archetype a lot of the time, like, mm -hmm. they intentionally are, like, being like, no, my character is prim and proper and does not swear. They actually showed me they have a post-it note <laughs> near their keyboard for while they're playing just to remind them of, like, this is this character. I, I need to be this way with them. And meanwhile, like, usually that's all, that's kind of more what my characters tend to be like. Like, even, like, after we played DTM, like, when we played 5e for the first time that time, I was like, okay, my druid intentionally does not swear because... I want to be, like, the most antithesis to, like, that previous character because, oh boy, that character in the vampire campaign fucking sucked ass. <laughs> she was the worst. So I was like, yeah, my druid's gonna be the most nice, prim, proper little lady. And it was a big thing when, like, near the end of the campaign when, like, our sorcerer got, uh, power word killed that she actually called, like, the final boss a motherfucker. And it's like, it was, it was made a very funny thing because, like, it was uh, amusing because the GM was, like, narrating a little, like, brief uh, moment where the other character met their, like, goddess in the afterlife, being like, yeah, well, I think you're gonna not be here for very long, and it's just, like, in that moment he hears my character say motherfucker, and, like, uh, them just describing it, like, yeah, my character has the stupidest, dumbest grin on their face when they come back to life because they know they heard, uh, <laughs> like, Vice character swear, and they don't know it. <laughs> So yeah, it was pretty funny. And also like in our current one, like my like my elf pal then has told people to fuck off and meanwhile it's the complete contrast where I'm like, Yeah, it's fun that I'm the one that's being all sweary and you're the one being all polite when that's usually the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it's uh it's I mean, obviously again, people have different uh levels of what they're comfortable uh, comfortable with with that. It's just I just don't think about it as much these days, I guess. Yeah, totally fair. There's way more serious things to be worried about in the world if some than somebody saying fuck when it's like fuck is barely even a swear now at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I mean, right? Like, I it, it doesn't bother me. I'm, I'm not saying don't do it, and I'm not trying to mm -hmm. put any moral judgments on anybody. I just like. Yeah. For that very reason, you say it's barely a swear anymore. Well, I don't want that to be the case. I want it to be important, so... Yeah, that's fair. Uh, but yeah, um... I don't know. Anything interesting going on with you? <laughs> nah, again, it's it's been two days, and I feel like I already covered stuff. I mean, I, I at least got more nail polish yesterday because I wanted to get... Uh, bigger variety for uh, because my plan was I was gonna do one hand in the trans colors and the other one like non-binary with the middle finger being I don't know why I still have to keep looking over at my flag for the reference point like half white and half purple but unfortunately I don't think yellow really works well as a nail polish color 
Um, like I think I, mean, I think it's can. hard. I think it's kind of just tough. Like it's not like how like you know like other colors like red or even like purple or like blue or pink can just kind of go with whatever. I guess even blue is maybe a little bit more of an outlier. But like there's colors that I feel like are like the more like popular ones because they kind of just go with whatever kind of outfit or presentation and stuff. But I feel like yellow is just kind of a tough one. <laughs> like I was talking with that with my the same group of friends the D D D group where it's like even when it was like yeah I bought a yellow like a year ago and it's like I haven't really used it anywhere because it's just kind of hard to make it work and another person was like yeah I also have a green and I found that way too with green because I could see like shades of green being like especially like a light green that might be hard or even dark green I don't I don't know like I, again I've never really tried that but like. My my idea was to do that, but when I didn't find a yellow that worked, I was just like, well, I'll still get the trans colors and I'll get a black because I overdue for having black nail polish. So that's what <laughs> I have currently in my hands because I finally actually like really focused on it and I feel like I did the best job so far with painting my nails that I've ever done in the last like year or so. But yeah, yeah. I have the trans colors ones to put on in preparation for the Pride event my mom and I are going to next week. Excellent. <laughs> yep. But yeah, no, I mean, I wouldn't worry too much about what it goes with, right? Your fingernails don't need to match your outfit, but it's True. also, to me at least, I just don't generally like mm, yellows and greens aren't super my color palettes. I'm more of a dark blacks and blues and purples kind of a person. Yeah, so. I, I feel like we're just kind of cut from the same cloth like that. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's like we both like purples and blacks and the like. <laughs> so it's like other like more bright colors like a bright green or a bright yellow kind of just don't match us as well maybe well yeah like i'm willing to, perfectly willing to wear any color as long as it's interesting to me like i have this brilliant barbie pink set of fingernail paints it's fantastic i love it but uh, yellow just doesn't do it for me <laughs> yeah which is weird because it's like i like the color yellow in general like, I have some nice shorts that are yellow, but for some reason on my nails, it just didn't seem like it would be as good of a fit. To be fair, also, they didn't really have a good selection of yellow. So I was like, I just don't want to, like, settle for whatever ones of these look nicest. Makes people think of jaundice. <laughs> <laughs> I was also trying to make sure they were all, like, the same brand or whatever, which, funnily enough, the brand of the colors I got yesterday actually is the same brand of nail polish creator as the one that I got of the purple over a year ago. <laughs> which still is perfectly fine it's been i use it frequently enough i guess as is even if it's still a little bit spaced out but it's uh it's not dried up or anything and you know it's like it was also something i brought up with my friends where it's like nail polish is expensive but it's like yeah but also it, if you use it at least frequently enough it lasts a long time yeah absolutely yeah <sighs> um of course not too much going on on my end either uh it's Magic the Gathering weekend, so that's neat. Uh, Lord of the Rings set this time, so obviously people are spending money. Yep. And um, that's that's the release of the set that has like the Black Aragorn, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure if that one had released already. This was like another set of them or something like that. No, it's just the one set. That's. This is, I think, the biggest set Magic has ever released on account of they're only getting the one, so it has to cover the entirety of the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's... Yeah, I didn't realize they weren't getting, like, another, like, second Lord of the Rings set or something like that. So, yeah, I guess it makes sense that you have to kind of go and just toss in everything from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, exactly. 
I think there's like six or eight different Gandalfs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you gotta have like uh, Gandalf the Grey, Gandalf the White, Gandalf on a horse, mm-hmm. Gandalf yeah. with a sword. I, I don't know whether a Gandalf's. <laughs> uh, angel mode. Uh... <laughs> I guess like Gandalf versus uh, the fucking Balrog or some shit. It's probably like one. Well, yeah, but that's not a Gandalf. That's a different card. <laughs> Uh, well, it's got Gandalf on it. <laughs> yeah, I, don't know. I I I only spent like maybe like two years actually playing Magic Gathering, not really understanding a whole lot about it, because the only deck I had was a burn deck. So I tr- I tried a little bit with playing a. It wasn't a PC version. I think it was just on 360 way back in the day. It was like a Magic game that was like maybe like 10 bucks or something, and it only had like a small selection of cards. So I at least learned a decent amount through that. That I do more ever actually than playing the physical game really though but it didn't really get a lot of updates and i didn't stick with it for long so it's easily been like a decade or so since then so i'm like i don't don't know shit about magic gathering anymore (laughs) you know i'm really frustrated with myself because i did buy in you know i was excited about the lord of the rings stuff and it's like i didn't want to i really didn't i just (sighs) wizards hasbro is ontologically evil not even just in the way that a corporation is but this is the pinkerton company and Mm -hmm. i didn't want to give them any money and yet here i am spending more money for cardboard with pictures on it yeah it it is still one of those things where it's like it felt bad because it's like we basically had planned on doing 5e like right around the time of the pinkerton things as our like current campaign Mm -hmm. with my group of friends and everything so it's like just being like, it feels bad, but at least we've obviously have pirated their books, so we didn't actually give them money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the difference, right? Like, with D&D books, you have them, you have them. And mm. whether or not you're uncomfortable with the company, all you have to do is just not buy more in the future. With Magic, you know, that's yeah. that's new cards every if, two if you, weeks. Yeah, if, if you stop buying cards in Magic the Gathering, it's like, well, over time, they're going to basically ban those cards anyway, because that's just how ccgs work really uh, well that's how magic works that's not how ccgs in general work <laughs> I, I, I know like in like competitive pokemon card game and stuff they are like you can't use cards from like whatever uh set and before then so it does actually go that way too uh, it... i'm i'm not super familiar with pokemon i'll give you that but just generally like like, none of the, like, original sets can be used anymore in, like, actual, like, competitive Pokemon, DC, like, TCG stuff, I know. Like, you can't use, like, the original old busted Charizard that did, like, 150 damage or whatever, which killed everything because nothing had more than, like, 120 HP back then. Yeah, but, which... like, by contrast, you're still allowed to use anything from Yu-Gi-Oh! as long as it's not on the ban list. Hmm. Yeah, because, like, it, I, I thought for the longest time Magic was, like, that way, too, because, like, it was stuff like, oh, you can't use Black Lotus, because I remember that was, like, a busted card or something, um, right? Magic has a ton of different formats. Um, the general competitive one that they try to push, because, of course, that's the one that's, like, requires the new cards, only allows for, the, I think it's the last three sets. Oh, boy. That's a bit, that's a bit much. <laughs> Like, being like, oh, if you happen to have, like, a period of time where you just can't buy a bunch of cards if you want to do this, well, too bad, fuck you, you didn't get any of these sets, so yeah, you're luck. three sets is, like, nine months. If you stop for a year, you're totally out of the loop. Yeah. Like, aside from, like, all the bullshit with Activision Blizzard, that was also one of the big reasons why I stopped playing Hearthstone, because, like, 
Hearthstone at a certain point just got like they wanted to like cycle out a bunch of like older cards just to try to like change up the meta. So basically, like I think it was a case of like uh, the expansions for, like the last year could be used in like the standard play, but uh, past that they would basically sh- push them back into just being able to use like in wild play. So it's like wild play was just anything goes from like all the expansions, but like. It was also, I think, the one that kind of gave less rewards, so because they were trying to push people towards like the air quote standard play. I don't, uh, yeah, I forget. It's also been a while since then because obviously, like, I haven't bothered to play that game in ages because it's like it's really around like the Blitzchung stuff when like Activision Blizzard was really starting to piss people off, and they've just uh, not done much better since. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. They they just can't do anything right these days. <laughs> to be fair, most AAA game developers can't. <laughs> so, who knows? It's dumb. Yeah, no, it's like, I mean, at a certain point, I kind of intentionally stopped playing the, tra- the collectible card games in general. Like, you know, again, it was like, back then I made an exemption for Hearthstone because it <laughs> wasn't like a, a tradable card game, and it's like there were like not nearly as many, and it was also like, you know, it being like, automated because it was a video game based card yeah. game and everything it's like you didn't have to like keep track of stuff as much so it was easier and also obviously because it was online you could actually play with people compared to pokemon or magic where it's like well you need to find a person in in the real world to do this and that's something that can be hard at times yeah like i, I mean i definitely have right it's been over a year since i got anything magic related i was done and out but they mm-hmm. brought me back in with the thing that I care about because that's why they're licensing properties, isn't it? Yeah, they do. Yeah, very much reads a lot like me being like, "Oh, I played Genshin Impact for only a month, but then I was done." And then it's like, "Fuck!" I tried to start in Star Rail, and now they pulled me back in the same <laughs> fucking company that got me. <laughs> and really, the only difference was that they basically had to take out open world bullshit and just make it be a pretty linear party based RPG. <laughs> that got me in. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's, I still understand that it's, like, a, a bad genre. <laughs> I know that's a problem, and yet it's still, I just, like, I have fun with it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, like, as far as I see it, if you're having fun, that's fine, right? The, the issue... Yeah. Sorry, the issue with it is more the predatory nature of how the games work, but to yeah. my mind, you are an adult, and you can make your own choices. <laughs> You're not, like, a child who's being tricked into spending your parents' money on this. Pretty much, yeah. I so, mean, it's like... Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I at least, like, you know, because it's like a case of, like, they, the current character, like, banner that they have out now is, like, a character who can, like, inflict, like, more weakness debuffs on other enemies. So it's like, oh, that would be neat to have in order to, like, make my character, like, my current party setup be able to, like, hit weaknesses easier to, like, get a bunch more extra damage on the enemy. But I'm also not, like, really chomping at the bit to get her. I think I'm pretty close to the pity roll with it, because I think I've done, like, 50 or 60 pulls total on her just using the income I had in the game. Wow. I didn't... That wasn't, like, paid money or anything. That was just, like, I've played enough of the game to get that many. No, I I get it. I just... mm -hmm. I mean, like... Because I also play a gotcha, right? I'm on Poma. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, 50 pulls to get a pity is really over the top. Wow. I, 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 I forget what the pity number is in uh, entirely, but I, I'm i also forgetting exactly the number that I've done on her banner. But she's at, I think she's there for, like, another 10 days or so as of this. But, uh... Yeah, I think I think I'm at least pretty close, but I'm also like if I don't get her necessarily, then at least like whenever they do like the next character specific banner, that 
total like rolls over so like my friend was telling me like if you're not as invested in getting the character silver wolf then it's like well you could wait till the next one and get the next person which i think is like a uh i think it's supposed to be a new healer which at the moment there's only two healers in the game really enough and like the character's element is uh imaginary for as much of a weird element that is but there's only one other imaginary character in the entire game at the moment but ironically enough, I actually already have that other guy. So it's like me being like, well, I already have a really good healer. I don't think I really would need this healer. So I'm like kind of being like, if I get Silver Wolf before she goes out of rotation, then sure. But at the same time, I might wait until whoever comes next. Because it's like my current party, like I have a good damage dealer. I have a good like air quotes tank. It's not really tank, but it's like really more damage mitigation rather than like pulling aggro kind of deal. <laughs> and a, a good healer and a good support. Because I finally got Bronya. That's something I haven't shown since, like, basically ever since I stopped doing episodes of that for the Patreon and everything. But I got Bronya in time since, and she's overpowered as fuck because she just makes her lesbian wife do way more damage. <laughs> <laughs> but she improves, like, crit damage, and Sila's all about crit damage. And it's just that they were, they were like, pretty much, like, actual canonical lesbian couple in uh, their original Gasha, Honkai, uh... Impact third, which I keep wanting to say third impact. That's that's fucking different. That's Evangelion, and like kind of do imply that they might be lesbians in this one too, but they haven't said anything officially yet because the game's only been out for like two months. <laughs> so yeah, it's like I'm like I pretty much already have like a good setup of characters, but I don't necessarily ne- like need new ones immediately. Like I'm not jumping yeah. into it being like I gotta get everybody, <laughs> but like I already skipped like the the, pre- the uh, previous banner because it was just basically like. A lightning DPS guy, where it's like, well, I already got Sila. Why do I need this guy? <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Gacha games, they are... Uh, I don't want to say they're good, because they're really not. As <laughs> 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 much fun as I might have been having, more so with Star Rail than I ever thought possible. It's like, it's not. It's not. It's, you don't play it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got anything else though? Uh, I, I kind of feel like really I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Just a magic thing. Um, I bought a bunch of cards and then I sold two hundred dollars worth of cards and <laughs> that's it. <laughs> of of old cards that you already had, or of, of ones that you had gotten that you didn't want from the packs? Yeah, kind of both. I mean, at least you're kind of recouping the cost of the of the ones you had bought, right? Yeah, I mean that's like that's the game, right? If you're not mm-hmm playing professional tournament competitive magic the only way to do anything with it is to buy packs and hope you get the rare stuff and then sell it back so it is gambling it fully is (laughs) just with cardboard instead of scratch-offs or whatever yeah like at at the least like with like for what it's worth with card games at least it's like if you get cards that you don't necessarily care for you can try to actually like get some of your money back by just selling them yeah so at least there's that, but it's, yeah, it's it's still cards. <laughs> i tell you this much, I sure did spend, like, six hours yesterday inputting every card name from the new set into the thing to see if it was worth money. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <sighs> because the thing that my store uses doesn't just, like, list every card in the set and let you select what you want to sell. No, you have to input it, so. Oh, fine. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, I think I had done that some years ago, back when I was, like, trying to think if the, like, one deck of Pokemon cards I still have is worth anything, but it's, like, they're all from, like, most of them are from, like, the 
uh, Aqua vs. Magma expansion from back in, like, 2003. Yeah. None of those cards are worth shit at all anymore. <laughs> Most of them are ones that I remember getting from, like, the Team Aqua theme deck, and it's like, well, Team Aqua's Kyogre, or Kyogre, however you want to pronounce it, is, like, worth jack shit, because it's the card that anybody could get from the from that starter deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember I, ha- I have a holographic Walrene, and I think I have, like, a holographic Espeon from, like, a different pack that I have in there, because it's, like, big attack is that it's based on, like, the energy the opponent uses and it's like a three colorless attack right and psychic so it's like i have it in there because it's like well it's a neat little like fun spin on like a water deck because it's like well it's not water but it's in there to screw with people who might be attacking with something else and it doesn't need psychic energy okay. but yeah none, none of those cards i think were worth deck anything at yeah, all pretty much that's that is how that goes e- even yeah. even my original base set first edition water energy is not worth anything because it's a water energy <laughs> yeah you pretty much just gotta sell it when it's new or else it loses value unless pretty it's something much, incredibly yeah. rare yeah like i mean i'm trying to even think if there were any cards like them were never worth anything I, i'd have to imagine is i think base edition charizard might still be worth something right i gotta see I mean, sure, but like I say, it's got to be incredibly rare to hold its value. Uh, well, I mean, I just googled this on this one site. Uh, original 1999 base set Charizard foils are uh like $300 still, <laughs> at a minimum. Yeah, exactly. That's not that's not uh that's not on eBay, but let me check. Uh, let's see, base set Charizard eBay. How much? <laughs> Okay, there it's like closer to like thirty to sixty dollars. I don't know what that other site was telling me then. <laughs> well, also it depends, like... right? Because like condition and uh, edition and printing and yeah. Because like Did I you... have one of those. I don't know if I, we certainly haven't talked about it on the show, but I have the original base set Charizard. I've got it. It's in a case and everything. Uh, yeah, I I had a Charizard way back too, but I remember I basically sold off all the cards except that water deck at some point. <laughs> my th- my my idiot brother somehow had four Charizards. <laughs> that that was his his entire deck was a fire deck that was like it had twelve Pokemon total. It had four Charmander, four Charmeleon, four Charizard. I remember this specifically. It had a bunch of fire energy, and it had basically like all the trainer cards that were like basically search your deck for X Pokemon and put it in your hand just so that you could get a bunch of Charizards out. <laughs> It was the fucking worst. I hate it. <laughs> I mean, sounds like solid deck building. Back back then, yeah. I mean, it's probably not like even if you could still use that Charizard, it would not hold up really at this point. Also, I'm, I was wrong. Fire Spin only did a hundred damage back then. Oh, it was because base Charizard had 120 HP. It's like it was like one of the few things that could survive one hit from that. But I think everything else was like a hundred or less. Uh, and something the original, like that. Yeah. Original Pokemon cards were not good. <laughs> I love how the Pokemon card game makes you do math to figure out weaknesses. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's also something that was like why I liked Hearthstone back then because it's like, oh yeah, this is just easier. God, I'm 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 now looking at like a set of like a bunch of different cards. A base set Dugong, only 80 HP, three energy, like two water, one colorless for just 50 damage from Aurora Beam, and two water, two colorless energy for Ice Beam to flip a coin if head the defending Pokemon is now paralyzed, and it did only 30 damage. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, that sucks by today's standard. <laughs> God, even Diglett, like 10 damage from this one ground energy and 30 from a two ground energy attack. Well, yes, but the, the thing worst. is, is that Diglett is bad. 
Um, I mean, yeah, Diglett's bad in, in the video games, too. <laughs> but yeah, um, I do have one last thing to say about the Lord of the Rings magic set. Uh, ultimately, I'm very happy with the art. It's beautiful. I'm glad with the stuff I got. Uh, I think it's very stupid that they did a cycle of ten land cards, two of each type of basic land, that are map lands. They're called, they're like specially drawn full art maps of Middle-earth for the Lord of the Rings set, right? Except mm -hmm. for some ungodly reason, it doesn't, like you can't put them next to each other and make a full map. Like... Four of the cards have Gondor on them. They just overlap. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, aren't, those, aren't those like the ones that basically they did like a bunch, like really elaborate art for? They basically have to put them together, but they don't really work that well as the actual cards in order to replicate the image or something. Um, or am I thinking of something else? I don't know. The they they have this um, what do you call it? sequence of large art cards, right? So you have standard mm -hmm. cards, and then you have extended art cards that go all the way to the edge and ignore the borders and stuff. And you f there are, I think, three sets of extended art cards in this set, and if you collect all nine in a set, then they like come together to form a mural if you place them correctly. Yeah, okay, that, yeah, that is what I was thinking of, yeah. But, like, what I'm saying is they should have done that for these lands too, because what is the point of doing these maps if it's not going to add up to be a big map? <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, no, no. come Card on. Card games. But <laughs> 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 Mordor really counts as a swamp necessarily, because it's like it's more of a mountain, I think, right? Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Like, I mean, again, I can only really think of, like, back when I watched the movies, but it's like, I don't remember, like, Swamplands in Order when Sam and Brother were there, but also it's like, I I could not read those books because there's just so many pages just taken up with songs and describing food and shit <laughs> to read them properly. Uh, I'm pre I feel like I mentioned this before. I did I did at the least read uh, The Hobbit back when I was in high school. I, um, Wow. Uh, you had mentioned in the past that you hadn't read The Lord of the Rings, and that's fine, but, like, the songs are what took you out of it? That's the best part! <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, to be fair, again, I was trying to read it when I was, like, maybe, like, 15 or so. Because like, I think I was, like, 13 when I read The Hobbit. Because I remember... Actually, I'm trying to remember if I read it because I knew Lord of the Rings was coming out soon or something. Or if I'd already seen Lord of the Rings, I don't know. I think I just read it because I remember hearing about The Hobbit. And then when, like, they released the movies, I was like, oh, I want to try reading these books to see what happens. And then it was just like, I got up. I, I think I got, like, right before they introduced Tom Bombadil. I was just like, I just can't. I can't. <laughs> you, but Tom Bombadil is great. How could you not love Tom Bombadil? How could you not love several chapters of him saying, I could solve this problem right away, but I won't because look at my hot wife. I have to stay with my hot wife. I mean, true. He has to stay with his hot elf wife, yeah. <laughs> Still, I don't know. I, I just couldn't. I, I've heard, like, I remember hearing on the uh, the streetcast at times back when they were talking about Lord of the Rings because of, like, the, like, 20th anniversary of the movies or something, that they were, like, listening to the audiobooks, or at least I think Liz was, and I think she was like, yeah, it turns out these books are actually way better as audiobooks. You don't have to read that stuff yourself. You just listen to it. And it's like, I, I've kind of gone back and forth on whether I should try the audiobooks instead. That might be worth a shot, yeah. I would be interested to see what the audiobooks do with the songs, if they just read the lyrics or if they do actual music. That would be fascinating to me, but yeah, no, they're great. I love them. 
I love him a lot. <laughs> yeah, I think I've seen the Tom Bombilo card posted like three or four times in one of our chats. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, He's the Godbard. <laughs> there is a sequence of alt art cards in this set that I do not really like. Um, it's like... How do I put this? It's got an outline of the ring around the border of the card. Mm-hmm. And the image itself is very abstract. I don't love the way those look. Like, it's it's just so hard to parse what's going on here. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's it's a neat design, but yeah, it's... Because it, it's like the same... Yeah, it's the same as that card, right? Yeah, it just has different art. Fancier? Yeah. Like it, it feels like just because it needs that extra border that the text is kind of more scrunched together because it looks smaller. I mean, part of that might just be, again, like the the picture of it being a little bit zoomed out more just to show you, like, the, I guess, the background. Yeah. That is not related to the card at all, just that generic, like, uh, I guess that's supposed to be like Hobbiton or some of that background they have there. But it's like, yeah, so it looks a little bit harder to parse just because of that. Probably also because like some of the text is in white compared to usually being in black. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even really concerned about the text, you know. I just because the, the the ring border encroaches on the way the art is, and mm-hmm. it because they use that more abstract art for this, they're they're all like this. You just can't really tell what's going on in these versions, and mm. I don't like that very much, even though it's the fancy one. So, yeah. um, that's probably enough of me talking about a card game, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe. Uh, yeah, um, we should instead talk about, uh, different golden prizes in the Canyon of the Golden Wing Snakes car. Um... <laughs> Listen. I gotta say, our, our our transitions at times are a little interesting. Listen, I am struggling here. They are giving me nothing this season. Now, now you know my pain of me trying to phrase different ways of being like, you keep telling me Zero's done nothing wrong, and I guess I gotta agree with that for now. <laughs> I, okay, yeah, I see that, but that's a thing that you could rehearse, right? This is just, I have to come up with something off the cuff to connect to whatever these monsters are doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, yes. So, uh, my episode, of course, is Book 3, Episode 7, The Canyon of the Golden Winged Snake's Car. And we open in the Canyon of the Golden Winged Snake's Car, which is actually where they ended the last episode with Amelia confronting the kids. Because she is working to fix the train, and she already scanned this car for any weirdnesses, and it was fine, but the instant the kids walked in, it just started going weird. Which, hmm, wonder what's up with that. Amelia Amelia is just trying to take away more places that teenagers can hang out in. Like it's like malls in America. She's just trying to make kids not have a place to hang out at and then being like, "Why are the malls all dying?" Well, that's the thing, right? Cuz she doesn't want to take away this this place exactly. She just like immediately assumes that the kids broke something. <laughs> yeah, cuz she hates teenagers. Yeah. Um so this, Simon tries his usual victimization thing and talking about how they just barely escaped a car and what is she talking about, but for one thing, he's wrong. They just walked across a bridge normally to get in here. They didn't, they weren't running. Um, 
But for another, Amelia just kind of dismisses this because there is a glitch in the train's programming somewhere and one one sent her to fix it. Uh, just a note, she calls him one singular. Um, I'm not going to because that's not the name we know him under, but that's what she calls him. Uh, yeah, I read about this that it seems like it's more implied that he was really more called one before what would have apparently happened back in book five where she would have basically split him in half yeah <laughs> yep. she ripped him out of the train conductor segment or something which is why he became one one <laughs> yeah it one one was a singular person until amelia did her thing and took over and then he became a plural system ish <laughs> sort of not exactly <laughs> um but yeah, uh, she just really does not have time for any of Simon's nonsense. So this, of course, sets him off, because in his mind, 1-1 has been trying to kill them ever since he ousted the conductor, and now here's an employee of his who's just dismissing everything he says out of hand. Um, Amelia finds this just immensely funny. <laughs> I mean, she should, because he's a dumbass and has never said anything right once in his life. <laughs> uh... Oh, he would get so mad if you sent him that, that screenshot of Luke going amazing, everything you just said was wrong. That would make him so angry. <laughs> um, uh, he's definitely the reply guy on Twitter if he actually had access to Twitter. <laughs> uh, Fortunately, I'm pretty sure these kids didn't have phones when they got on the train. Yeah, plus as we've established, the train doesn't have Wi-Fi. Um, uh, yeah, true. Uh, yeah... At any rate, Amelia's doing... I think she's made a lot of progress since the last time we saw her, because she's acting different. She's much more chill. She's not, like, over the top. She seems to be doing well. But when she finishes her laughing fit, she explains that 1-1 doesn't really even know that they exist, because to him, all the passengers are just, like, numbers in a big simulation. <laughs> and then she has to pause and read off an index card about how important and special the passengers are and how much 1-1 loves all of them, because... Honestly, I get the sense that she's really just blown this up for a few people by telling them the Matrix doesn't care about them. Yeah, eventually one was like, hey, uh, you kind of have to stop doing that. I know I usually don't take my job seriously, but you need to at least be more polite to the passengers. So just take the <laughs> card and read it off if you ever feel like you're messing something up. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, um... Hazel thinks that this is kind of fun, though, and she calls Amelia weird, which Amelia agrees to, so I guess we have to print out another membership card. Um, hey! <laughs> I, I feel, I mean, we have to, I mean, we haven't really discussed this much, but yeah, we had to, like, eventually actually let the collector in fully, even though it was just that card was just, like, more symbolic than anything. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like uh, their symbolic card actually just goes to Amelia, where she's like, she has the card, because we know she's never going to show up anyway. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. We we had to be looking. We had to look like we were being nice, even though she's like made it apparent, abundantly clear that she's never going to come anyway. And it's like, well, you have this at least, so there you go. We did the bare minimum. You know, I gotta be honest. I like if you gave me the choice between the conductor and Amelia, I'd rather have Amelia in the club. At least she is an adult who knows what she is doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. <sighs> but yeah, um. She's pretty exhausted, and I suspect this might have something to do with everyone around her being either teenagers or 1-1 constantly. <laughs> but uh, essentially, she built like a radar device that can ping cars to check if the code is working properly. And she's just been walking down the train one car at a time and pinging it to see if it's good. <laughs> this seems extremely inefficient, Amelia. 
Um. Yeah, you would think that like one one could have just deployed like a steward with this or something, <laughs> rather than sending a physical person who needs to eventually like stop and take breaks and stuff. Well, that or like maybe just put the ping device in one of the cars that take the passengers all the way down the train, right? Those go super fast. Oh, uh, wait, only the pods, yeah. Yeah. And just zoom it all the way down there, ping every car on the way, and then come back. And it takes yeah. like I three mean, hours tops. She, she, she will kind of clarify that she's doing this, like, kind of of her own choice to make amends in the next episode. But yeah, it's like, there's there's still probably easier ways you could have done this and done something else instead. Well, I mean... <laughs> That's jumping ahead a little, but I interpreted that as her saying that working for one one was her making amends, not doing this specifically. Mm. I guess, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so she explains that basically everything was fine until like three weeks ago ish, at which point cars just started ejecting themselves all over the place with little to no warning. And she's giving this speech, and as she does, she takes off her jacket and drops her gear. Because I guess her iPad is on the inside of her jacket. And uh, this reveals her number. It, it's pretty darn big, you know? I mean, <laughs> it goes all the way down her left arm, or right arm, sorry, and around her torso, uh, up the neck, and partway down her left arm, too. And by partway, I mean it stops just at the top of the bicep. I don't know what she didn't do to finish that off, but, like, come on. Um <laughs> Well, I mean, it might have been full, like full up in the last few months since, like, when one took back over the train, she might have lowered it a little bit. That's true. That's very possible. Like, like we do, we don't really fully know exactly how much time passes between books two and three, because like we know it's been like basically like roughly like two months between books one and two, mm -hmm. and then like again, I guess we don't really get a sense of how long uh, Lake and Jesse traveled together on the train, but it, that probably was at least like a month or so. At the minimum, because Jesse's number wasn't too high. Yeah. Def definitely lower than Tulips in general. So it's like, it's probably been something at least like three months since the show properly began, but we don't know how much time was between two and three, obviously. Yeah, for sure. It's very, you know, you bringing that up, I was kind of wondering if the train had like a minimum threshold for how your number had to be for it to show up, but I guess it really doesn't because Jesse was at like 20, so. <laughs> Yeah, his, his, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, his number was like something like 40 or something. It was, it was really not high at all. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, uh, Grace and Simon are pretty stunned by the reveal of Amelia's number, but Simon quickly realizes that uh, their tracker finds numbers. So they thought that they were tracking the Apex because they were tracking, like, a lot of numbers, and actually it was just the one enormous one. <laughs> I have problems with this, insofar as that's just not how volumetric tracking works, but <laughs> I guess Simon built it in an abandoned mall with tools that he stole, so... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he, he did basically the air quotes best he could, which for Simon is kind of saying a lot, considering usually he does the worst he possibly can, <laughs> I, I guess. I think he somehow built a device that is literally tracking digits instead of numbers by volume. <laughs> You would, you would think that, like, it would be so much easier to just be like, here's a tracking device that is, like, we're going to leave in the mall car, and then we have a few of these, like, tracker devices that are remote that point you back there in case anybody gets separated. Like, we have, like, a set number of them. If you go on missions, you make sure you take one, and if shit happens, you know how to get back because it's looking for the tracker in the mall car rather than just looking for a bunch of high numbers. Yeah, that would be good. <laughs> <laughs> but again, Simon is a dumbass and makes everything worse <laughs> all the time. 
Well, of course, the other thing is, I don't know how much of an issue getting separated is, right? Because as per Amelia, the cars ejecting only just started happening a couple of weeks ago. And True. we don't know how long this trip took since they skipped 40 cars. Um, yeah, that's also fair. <laughs> so that that might have been the first time it happened. We don't know. Like, two... The Apex's normal tactics, I think they would just sit there and then just go into cars on either side, maybe, and wait for them to shift around, so... <laughs> yeah, potentially. But, yes, um... Uh, he... He's he's pretty flummoxed by this, and... Like, how do I... He, he's... He's not saying anything, right? But you can see in his eyes that he is basically worshipping Amelia here. And she just blows him off, though, because she's here to fix stuff and doesn't care about numbers. <laughs> uh, when he shows his number and talks about how he used to have the highest number until they met her, because he is attracted to power and not people, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. um, Grace sort of pulls him aside because uh, Amelia wants to know about like oddities and strange stuff they might have seen, since they're like the link to the cars ejecting. But uh, the things she lists are like weird phone booths or jam or turtles in place that it shouldn't be. And Grace makes a connection to Hazel and is afraid that uh, Amelia might figure out Hazel is a turtle. So <laughs> I, I kind of like in this moment that like even Amelia is just like, why is it always turtles? <laughs> <laughs> she, even she, despite having seen all these turtles over the last like 30 something years of being on the train, she's always like, why is it just always fucking turtles? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. And, and then I like the explanation that we get next episode for why it's always turtles, and it's such a dumb answer, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's fun, though. Um, yeah, uh, so Grace makes up an excuse saying that, you know, she doesn't trust Amelia because she works for 1-1 and 1-1's trying to kill them. And anyway, uh, the Apex Code says don't trust adults, so I guess you have to kick Simon out because he's 18, so bye. Yeah, but... yeah, well, actually, I guess we don't know how old Grace is because she, she looked a little bit older in the flashback we'll see with Simon, right? That's true, yeah. Yeah, I'm um, looking up Grace on Infinity Train Vicky to see. I don't yeah, know. It, it also lists her as 18. Yeah, there you go. I think she got on the train at 11, because she said seven years ago is when she met the conductor, and that was, like, right after she got on board, so... Yeah, so it, it could be a case of, like, yeah, they're both 18 currently, but Grace's birthday might be coming up or something to make her 19. That sounds right, but that also means that yeah. Simon's been on the train longer than her. Well, yeah, he's been on the train since he was 10. We got that confirmed in yeah. the previous uh, couple episodes. Um, yes. Uh, so anyway, he is immensely reluctant to just leave because he sees that Amelia has the number and wants to worship her. But uh, Grace pulls rank, and every time she does that, it's a little less effective. It's really wearing away at his opinion of her. But uh, they just kind of turn and run. Uh, no distraction. They don't wait till <laughs> Amelia looks away or anything. They just book it. <laughs> it's, it's very much a case of, like, they are five feet away from her when she's just sitting on the ground. And it's like, of course you can, like, over here and see what you're doing, you idiot kids. Yeah, for sure. Like, they, don't even, they don't even wait for her to, like, look back down at her pad before they try to sneak away. They just fucking book it while she's staring uh -huh. right at them. 
There's a moment so there, funny. and I don't think it's meant to be funny, but there's a moment where we cut away and we see it from like where Amelia is, and the kids are just standing there, kind of looking at her, and then they run. It is so funny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like they are just like these kids are like we don't have any sense of like being like oh we should wait till she looks away and then like slowly try to back away out of sight <laughs> and then maybe run when she can't hear us as easily compared to like yeah she's looking right at us yeah fuck it and just leaving at that point just running away <laughs> like these fucking idiot kids no they absolutely are i just it, i don't think it even lasts a second but that moment there where they're just standing there staring at her before immediately breaking and yeah. running is the funniest thing in the world like to it, me. It, like the look on the music face like of course i can see what you're fucking doing and exactly, of course i can always yeah. hear you you are five feet away yeah. <laughs> you did not walk like even like 10 feet away you're right the fuck there you're barely even you're not even really trying to whisper <laughs> uh. Yeah, but they uh they they charge directly into the canyon of the golden winged snakes, and a bunch of golden winged snakes are flying by, and that is enough of a a a vision barrier that Amelia loses sight of them, and she just walks away, grumping about the kids and how she knows they're still in here because she can track their numbers, and the car is marked for ejection, so they probably better get out of here. But They go down into the canyon of the golden-winged snakes and set up camp, but Simon immediately wants to check their numbers because I guess he's feeling uh, inadequate after seeing Amelia. Um, and he, Well, he should feel inadequate compared to everybody because he's a dumbass. Well, yes. But I gotta say, like, for a gang that specifically focuses on high numbers and the highest number is the boss, you'd think that they wouldn't cover them up all the time. Like... I get that this is to make it easier for the animators, but if I wanted the biggest number, it would be Tank Top City, baby. <laughs> yeah, like you, you're like if if their whole deal is like get the highest number and that's how you win, it's like you would think that they'd be flexing that all the time to let people know how high their number is. Yeah, for compared real. to Simon wearing a hoodie and Grace wearing really long gloves. Mm-hmm. Like I get that the reason Grace really wears gloves is because like they had to hide that she was a passenger back when she was first introduced to the last book when she was in that ask that you hate so much yes yes (laughs) (laughs) so it's like i get that that was the reasoning and then it's like yeah like the whole reveal there at the end of the episode when she has to take off her glove to reapply her makeup when it's like oh look at this she sucks at this she's bad (laughs) well yeah i mean i'm gonna be real here i believe the reason primarily is just because it would be so hard to animate all those numbers every time yeah, their arms move. Yeah, Yeah, like, there's been times where we've noticed that, like, a character's, like, hand is shown and, like, they just don't have the number on their hand because it's just, like, an error. And yeah, also, exactly. Like, that's also a case of where it's, like, they might be doing something where it's, like, you wouldn't be focusing on that anyway. Like, there's definitely been times when, like, Tulip's number was not on her hand at all, even when she, before she put a glove on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just also want to back up real quick and just point out, like, why doesn't Billy have a data pad with such a bad interface? <laughs> like, when she's walking away from the kids, she's like, oh, this piece of shit, or whatever, and it's like, he, you, worked for, you worked for one one now. Clearly, he, the guy that runs the train, that has a lot of fancy shit, that straight up has, like, guns that can make stuff, could make you a better data pad. <laughs> yeah, but we saw all of One One's technology in the the final couple of episodes of Book Two. Like, do you think that he could ever make something that people would easily be able to use? <laughs> I, I guess not. It's really there for the train's functionality rather than people's use. I guess. If Amelia more, asked for a better iPad, he would give her a handful of tiny robots. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, she she'd get like the kids equivalent of a tablet that's like basically just there to like do a bunch of educational like games and stuff on it. <laughs> <laughs> not even. It would be like one of those things with the beads at the dentist's office where you just slide. <laughs> 
Hey, to be fair, those are dope. <laughs> at least, at least, Kid Vi thought they were dope. <laughs> yeah, don't get me wrong. Hours of entertainment, not useful when you're tracking people. <laughs> yeah, turned out. <laughs> um, the the uh, Simon tries to kind of like pull Grace's gloves off because she's saying no, she doesn't want to check. And she, like, doesn't want to know what looks like yet, but she kind of resists this, and Hazel sort of, like, kicks him in the shins as she's trying to support Grace, because Grace is having a problem, and she blows up about how this is her body and her medical issue, and she will deal with it because she gets to control what she does about it and when she checks in on it and when she looks at it. Uh, she has bodily autonomy, and he needs to respect her space. Do you get it? Um, Yay. <laughs> he is immediately like a kicked puppy. Uh, you can tell that no one has ever told him no before. And he just volunteers to leave the cave to keep watch while they rest. Um, the instant he takes off, though, Hazel just starts smashing rocks on the ground because she is super mad. Simon is being mean and aggressive and possessive to her friends, just like he was to Tuba. And, you know, maybe there's something in there about how if you decide that one group of people aren't human, it becomes easier to disrespect the personhood and autonomy of all other people. Do mm -hmm. you get it? Um, yeah. <laughs> also, just gonna say, Hazel could easily take Simon 100%. She, she's got a turtle carapace, she has claws, she could take out whatever this idiot kid tries to draw at her and just stab him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, also like six-year-olds are stronger than they look <laughs> like like i mean like back when i was still a teacher in japan like if like one of the, like the little like kindergarten kids like you know did the usual thing that kindergarten kids do if i get around the waist it's like it's actually a little bit tough to try to wiggle out of that <laughs> i mean kids, kids will give you the death grip if they want to give you the death grip <laughs> listen you saw her carrying tuba's backpack she's got <laughs> exactly uh yeah, like, during all the time that we've skipped over, Hazel's been getting strong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just so that she could take out Simon, finally, herself, in revenge. Well, somebody's got to. Um, yeah, so she's crying and mad and upset, and her shell starts to appear, and Grace tells her to keep it down and calm down, but she wants to use it to fight Simon, because, you know, a shell would protect her from his attacks, I guess. She doesn't super know I mean, what he did to Tuba, so... T turtle shells are really tough. <laughs> yeah, I just, like... How do I put this? She doesn't know really what happened, right? She just knows that Simon killed Tuba. True, true so... yeah. She doesn't, she doesn't know that he basically used gravity to his side, like, to his advantage. Yeah, exactly. That, that, that's what I'm saying here. She's thinking of it as a way to protect herself against his attacks, but, like... That's not really what he does. He just kind of grabs people and throws them off the train. <laughs> yeah, like he he doesn't have the he doesn't have the capability to basically take a person out without just using the train and gravity to his advantage. Pretty much, yeah. And he definitely Again, does know how to use gravity to his advantage. Like we'll see it in your episode, but <laughs> when he doesn't have the drop on someone, he just can't do anything. <laughs> yeah, and it's like. Theoretically speaking, he could always have the drop on people because he has a pair of fucking anti-gravity boots that he keeps forgetting about. <laughs> and he keeps having to try to climb up shit instead. Well, and it's like, he used them last episode to help crush a hand. <laughs> but he doesn't remember he can use them to walk up walls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't really know if we should call them anti-gravity boots because what they do really is more redirecting his gravity field to whatever he's walking on. Yeah, so. it's it's like it's more like anchoring him in place, yeah. I guess. 
Because, like, I mean, it helps him, like, uh, be more stable where he is. I mean, even though I know there's, like, a scene coming up where he's upside down with them and is kind of fine, but it's, like, yeah, that's finale stuff, we'll get there, but it's, like, yeah, it's, like, that why, that's why I really think it's anti-grav more than anything, but it's, like, I could also see it just be, like, it's just, like, suction or something, more or less, and it's just using, like, some forces, which I guess is just anti-gravity. If it's, like, if it's, if it's, if I'm trying to say it's, like, suction, but it uses something rather than suction, it's, like, that, that that's anti-gravity. <laughs> that's magnetic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess it's, like, I'm mostly just thinking of it in, like, the Ratchet and Clank games where you usually also have anti-gravity boots for lock, locking up, like, certain ramps that just lead you to, like, up walls and stuff. <laughs> I think they, I think they like fully replace that after a while because I know like the most recent one that it's coming to Steam soon. It's like more like wall running boots instead of uh, like walk up walls boots. Yeah, it. I don't really know how to talk about the boots a lot because I want to just say magnet boots, right? But that's not what they are because they work on trees. So <laughs> yeah, <sighs> um, I'm I'm gonna look this up. I'm curious about these infinity train boots now. I want to see if there's like anything actually said about these things. Um, I wrote anti-grave boots and not anti-gravity. <laughs> the Infinity Train wiki says gravity boots as the entry. Well, that's <laughs> fine. Yeah, actually, that's that's what I wanted because I wanted to call them to stop calling them anti-grav boots because what they do is grav. So yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> but they're a tool used to stick on walls and floating surfaces. That's still that's whether you call them anti-gravity boots or gravity boots, they're still the same. <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess I think of it like in terms of like you know Samus's gravity suit lets her like move better in like liquids, and it's like well that's still like basically going against the laws of gravity, so that's still technically anti gravity, right? Because <laughs> it's not like the forces of liquid are pushing down on you as much. You're going based on your normal movement speed. Although to be <laughs> fair, also the gravity suit sometimes does other stuff depending on the game. <laughs> sometimes they don't do liquid stuff as much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, it's it's weird. It's weird that they're in there, considering that they don't come up that often, but they come up just enough. <laughs> I want to know who Simon stole them from. Exactly. Like, they, I mean, again, like this idiot kid couldn't make a good tracking device to locate a certain car. It's like he has to have not been able to make these things. He stole them from somewhere else. Oh yeah, absolutely. I just don't know. Especially, who. especially because, like, if he could make them, you'd think that they would have like more pairs than just the one he has. Because, like, nobody else in the Apex, not even Grace, has a pair of them, so it's, like, clearly he has to have stolen them, and this was, like, the one and only set they were found. Because <laughs> if he could make more, he would. Or at least, I mean, reasonably speaking, he would, although also I can see it Simon being... I guess what I'm getting out of here is Simon is just 3. He's like, I could get more gravity boots because I know how to reverse engineer them or something, but I don't want anybody else to have them. It's only me. I'm the specialist boy. <laughs> well, that's... that is certainly not a take that would surprise me from Simon, but I'm yeah. also perfectly willing to accept the possibility that making gravity boots requires ridiculously rare and special materials that he doesn't have a lot of access to. Yeah, that could must be the case. Like, maybe he's, like, t tried to look at them and be, like, study them to re make more, and then he's like, oh, shit, I would need, like, this thing from this specific car, which is, like, so far away. Yeah. It's just, it would take way too long to do that. That? Especially because, like... also, I mean, they already have harpoon uh, backpacks. They don't really need the anti-grav boots as much. Yeah, the anti-grav boots are like, I don't know, a, a safety device with harpoon packs. I mean, yeah, I mean, especially with how fast the train goes, if you fucking fuck up the 
harpoon shot, you might want still at least be able to like at least smack a leg onto the side of the train to catch yourself before you just get wheeled. Yep. <sighs> <laughs> but yeah. Mm. Um. So uh, uh, before we got derailed, um. <laughs> hey, train. <laughs> uh, Hazel's mad. And she's crying, and she's upset, and she's starting to turtleify a little bit because she wants to join the turtle club. But Grace just holds her close and lets her cry, and it's going to be okay. And then we cut to outside the cave, like 15 feet away, where Simon has heard all of this. <laughs> <laughs> like, he doesn't react as though he heard anything about the shell, and yet he hears every other part of the conversation. So. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a little bit of a weird omission, where it seems like he heard literally everything except that she's a denizen. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, I don't super know how that happens but either way uh he takes off uh and uses his harpoon pack to leave the canyon of the golden winged snakes car um if it's not obvious at this point i was trying to do a bit in this episode where i said canyon of the golden winged snakes car as much as possible because like it's so it's long, a long that's name. a good bit. yeah it's so long <laughs> but it turns out that it it basically is entirely irrelevant to this episode. The car does nothing yeah, whatsoever. <laughs> that that's kind of just been the the recurring bit from like books two and three, really, where it's like the car title doesn't really actually matter as much because a lot of the episodes don't take part in the car, or the car is not the focal point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is like I kind of get because it's like the pre the past two books have been more focused on like some like character struggles in terms of like. You know, stuff like uh, Lake being pissed at the train and wanting to get off the train and also initially being a little bit annoyed at Jesse. And then this, it's just Simon hating the world because he's Simon. Yeah. Compared to, like, last time, it was just Tulip and her friends just being like, yeah, I guess we're just going to keep walking through the train and see what the fuck happens. <laughs> well, that's the interesting part, right? Because, like, supposedly the train is designed specifically to help you with your specific problems. And that's why Jesse mm -hmm. ran into stuff like the cloud that he needed to stand up to or whatever. But for these two, that is so not their journey that it doesn't matter. Even if the car was perfectly tailored to them, they would just ignore it and keep going. Yeah, like like it might have been like tailored to them back at where they started, like how Grace says she started the pumpkin car. And it's like if she actually had learned the overall mor like moral of the train, like the ones that she was in at first might have led there. And like, I mean, part of like her meeting Simon might have also tied into that of like, oh, you got to actually like not be as much of a dick <laughs> kind of deal but it's like i feel like at that point like she was still just like starting to be like yeah i'm super good at the train i think it's actually literally what the flashback is <laughs> and everything but yeah it was... <laughs> <laughs> but yes um i'm starting to get the episodes mixed up because again i've seen the rest of the season so i'm like what does that flashback happen is that this one is it yeah it's not next? yeah is it that is nine i forget <laughs> It's it's a weird feeling, right? You gotta hold back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. That that would basically be me the entirety if we do cover Steven Universe. Cause you have not seen any Steven Universe, and I've seen all of it. Where it's like, wait, where's this happening again? Uh, well, I don't want to spoil stuff. But anyway. uh, yeah. There's a lot of stuff in that show that I could easily spoil by accident. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Simon zooms all the way back down the train to the. Uh... Uh, uh, Le Chachalet car, where he bursts into oh, the th cat's th cabin. Th thank Christ you said the name of it, because I have it in my notes too, and I was like, I forget already how I pronounced that. <laughs> uh, 
You know, probably anyone who speaks French and listens to the show could tear me apart, but I'm doing my best. Yeah, uh, P Pixel, uh, tell us how wrong we are, if you listen. <laughs> listen, I had like a month, maybe two months of Duolingo before I fell off because I can't build habits, so... <laughs> yeah, I've, uh, I've just never taken any French. The only foreign language I ever took were Spanish, and then yeah, took that little bit of Japanese for a few semesters in college, yeah. but that's only it. Yeah, well, you know, I was trying before I moved up here, right? Because mm -hmm. Canada is a English and French country, and I thought it was going to be a lot more prominent, but it turns out that it um, it really isn't. I, I have met, I think, two French-speaking people in my time here. And yeah, like... that that's kind of the same thing with Japan, where it's like, uh, back when I got the job offer, I actually bought bought like a book of phrases in Japanese that ironically enough was written by my very same professor of Japanese when I, when I had in college. <laughs> it was it was very strange because I was like reading it and it was like, this sounds so familiar for some reason based on the structure. I look at the author and it's like, oh, it's Sato-sensei. Huh, <laughs> weird. Same person. Uh, but then like when you get there, it's like all the signage and train announcements and everything are in English. Like there's like a few times where it's like a smaller restaurant might have it just in like katakana, but it's yeah. like Basically, it's like, oh, if you can just read the katakana or decode it, it's like, oh, this just says, like, chicken. Like, literally written <laughs> just chicken. It's not even, like, the Japanese word for chicken for some reason. And then, like, so many people in Japan, because, like, I think at a certain age, English gets manda mandated in, like, high school, I think. So everybody needs to practice it a little bit. And, like, a lot a good amount of people there are kind of excited just to try it out and be like, oh, I just want to see if I actually understand this fully. So I'm going to talk to you in English. <laughs> it's, it's to this day it still amuses me that like a random lady working at a department store spoke better english than my co-workers who went there to help run a school that you know learning english was a side benefit it's <laughs> <laughs> just how it works sometimes yeah like the, the the most fun part was me trying to tell my two japanese co-workers what the difference between archaeologist and paleontologist was with me basically <laughs> saying like so you know when you're on the jones yeah do you know jurassic park yeah okay there you go <laughs> yeah. except also kind of not really with uh indiana jones because indiana jones fights more nazis and does architecture <laughs> or uh, archaeology not architecture well he definitely doesn't do architecture no <laughs> yeah um, uh, i said the wrong word <laughs> but yeah um yeah, it, uh, it is a very bilingual country. Like, everything is marked in French, but it's also in mm -hmm. English, so it's like... Yeah. I didn't need to learn anything, and that's a big part of the reason why I stopped learning, is because I didn't need to, and I'm American, so lazy. Um. Yeah, I, same. It's, it's kind of also why, like, I mean, it's at least nice to see that a lot of uh, places are trying to actually, like, focus on bilingualism here as well, with Spanish as well, with how more prominent Spanish is getting. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, it's... <laughs> uh, the thing is, is that Simon wants to get something from the cat. He He's looking to figure out what's wrong with Grace, because something must be. And he figures out that the cat will be able to do that because she has slash knows everything. But all she can offer him is just a scathing personal review of how egotistical she thinks Grace is. So, I mean, pot, kettle, come on. Um, <laughs> but he just goes into rage mode because the cat left him to die and she owes him this. She, she, she has to give him something. And she tells she didn't leave him behind. She was running because to her there's a difference, but not to him.
because she thought that he was with her. She thought that they were both running, and she didn't realize until later that he wasn't there with her, and he was just there left to die uh, with a gum. Um, also, just gonna, gonna say the cat could also fully take Simon, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she fought the conductor. It didn't go super well, but that was a giant yeah, the robot. Con- the, the conductor is a, yeah, the conductor is a giant mecha suit with a gun. Simon is a shitty little kid. <laughs> <laughs> That's my point. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's why, again, she could easily take him. <laughs> I don't know if she could easily take him, but she could do it for sure. Um, yeah, 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 she would have to put her whole uh, effort into it, but she could easily, she could do it. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I mean, to be fair, she could also probably take the real conductor because one one is just a ball. <laughs> well, yes, she could easily kill one one. That wouldn't... <laughs> I mean, we say she fought the conductor. She fought the false conductor. She didn't fight the real conductor, who is a ball, who is a norb. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah yeah <laughs> um it's basically he didn't have that perspective before i guess he didn't realize that she thought he was with her i don't know if he even believes it now but she didn't go back for him and we don't super get a reason why maybe she was afraid or maybe she thought he was already dead i have no idea but she tells him that this is just who she is, and she can't be more than that. So maybe who she is is someone who never goes backwards? I don't know. <laughs> Cats can definitely walk backwards. That shouldn't be it, but it's a train. Um, <laughs> there is a sort of an ominous moment of not even his whole face, just his lower jaw as he stares into the fire. We're like perspective behind the fire, looking through it at him. And it really seems like, given what's happened recently, he's about to do something horrible. But then he just kind of collapses on a lounge chair, and the cat, like, she tries to reach out, because she does still care about him, as weird as her version of caring is. And so she asks for details about what he needs help with, because maybe she could figure it out if he can give her anything more than, I need a thing. (laughs) Um... So he recaps this whole episode just much quicker than I did. It took him like three sentences. And Mm -hmm. when he brings up Amelia, the cat goes into fight mode. Uh, She has not forgotten when she fought that mech suit. And (laughs) to be fair, Amelia has, like, as she says, Amelia has tried to kill her like two or three times. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Like, I mean, it does, it's, it's entirely understandable reaction that the cat has of like, yeah, that person sucks. <laughs> Which makes me just really wonder, I guess she never learned that Simon killed, uh, Tuba, because it's like, you would think if she knew how much he's been going down the, like, uh, really bad, like, path in life, that she would also be like, yeah, you also suck. <laughs> well, I don't know, right? Because she clearly seems to know what the apex is when they get led into uh, the lucky cat car. But... Mm, true. I don't... Like, she probably doesn't know that he killed Tuba, obviously. She wouldn't know that that from the fact that Tuba's not here. But... Yeah, I mean, he came alone, so it's like, obviously, yeah. it's not like it's not like the obvious immediate of like, oh, you killed all of them, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> Like, no, he he clearly came back on his own without telling anybody else. But yeah, at least purely from the reputation of the Apex, she would have to expect that he's killed someone. She just doesn't know who, I think. But, Nor recently. Yeah. Um, As in yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess it would be exactly yesterday, because, like, they slept... Uh, 
Like, uh, well, they didn't sleep. They uh, spent the entire night trying to look for the funeral spot, and then this is, like, the very next day. So it's, like, it's been, like, 24 hours, or I guess a little bit more than 24 hours now, because it's also night now. So it's been, like, a day and a half since he killed Tuba. It's like, my guy, you gotta stop. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, um, yeah, so she tells him that Amelia is super-duper dangerous and has tried to kill the cat a few times, and he is, like, stunned by this, because it means that Grace was right to run from her, and he was just so sure that that was a mistake, but the cat just kind of lays into him, talking about all the small and petty and stupid stuff that Apex do to bump their numbers, which, by the way, like... Apparently murdering denizens is small and petty and stupid, question mark? Um. I think she's more relating to, like, when they, like, raided the carnival that she was running. <laughs> like, it's it's more just like, oh, yeah, they came by, they smashed up some stuff. I mean, we already saw them also smash up the uh, the unfinished car and everything just to, like, steal, like, like bits of clothing and stuff. And it's like, for the most part, it seems like that's more in line with what they do, as opposed to just outright murder, but also we've seen them murder. <laughs> I'm, we know they murder regularly because it's fun for them and they want their numbers to go up. Yeah. We saw Simon murder all those stage lights, remember? Mm-hmm. We sure <laughs> did. I mean, part of it is also, like, the question that should be brought up is like, well, I mean, since 1-1 and, like, the train basically creates everything on the train anyway, like, he could probably just recreate that stuff, right? I mean, that gets into... I mean, considering that we've seen Atticus, like, canonically die and then come back and be fine, like, presumably, one one could bring back everybody, basically, that the Apex have ever killed with enough time? Um, maybe? But I feel like that's a resource issue, too, right? Because when they saved Atticus, they had the Atticus Gome, and they had the Blaster, and they were just able to reset him, so to speak. Yeah, like, so. he would probably need, like, something of the body, so it's like, they, he probably couldn't bring back Tuba. Because yeah, exactly. So, like, basically, pretty much, like, anybody who's probably been wheeled probably couldn't be, but if it's, like, if it's just, like, a denizen's body is there, he probably could if he had the right, like, orb or whatever for the creation of that kind of person. Yeah, and, like, one one could absolutely create a new version, don't get me wrong, he made him in the first yeah. place. But that's not the same person, you know? Yeah, like, even if it, like, looks exactly the same person and, like, everything, it's like, well, there's no guarantee you could, like, bring over, like, the entire personality and memories and stuff and just be like, yep, I basically just resurrected them from the dead. And it's like, eh, probably not. Yep. Because <laughs> if that was the case, he probably could have brought back two of his kids. Because we still have no context for them, and we're not going to, unfortunately. So it's like, we don't know if they got, like, killed by the Apex, but probably not. No idea, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, ultimately, he should probably think about, like, what horrible thing Amelia did to get her number that high, if just doing murder all day every day is enough for one arm. <laughs> and <laughs> The cat just directly says that, too. Like, have you ever considered exactly what horrible shit she's been up to uh-huh. over the course of way longer? <laughs> of course you haven't, because you're a fucking dumbass kid. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's going to be the theme from Simon from now on out, is people keep telling him he's a child, and he hates it. He is. But he is. <laughs> well, yeah, but he hates it, because he's the oldest, and he's important, and he's smart, and he's in charge, and no one tells him no, so... <laughs> Not too bad. Fuck him. Uh, but yeah, um, 
But as for grace, anyway, I mean, if, you know, like, killing and stealing and just general racism make your number go up, probably think about what she might be doing to make hers go down. It's it's not broken. Sure, that, that, that's what they do. Uh, he doesn't believe this at first, but she insists that she's not lying, and after he holds on to his doubts, he, like, starts to believe her. Uh, she convinces him that this is how the system is meant to work, even if he disagrees. And he is just so mad. He starts breaking furniture and throwing things and screaming about how Grace isn't quote-unquote acting right and how she's shutting him out instead of doing exactly what he wants her to. And the cat just kind of blithely notes that Grace isn't a miniature. She's a person who gets to act however she wants, and Simon isn't involved in that. Do you get it? Uh, I will say, though, the cat is remarkably calm for someone in a room with a known serial killer who was having a rage fit and destroying yeah, things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Again, she's just so confident being like, I can take him. If he's out <laughs> there, I can take him. He's not oh. threat to be. <laughs> the, the cat is like, uh, the cat is like Sans. You know, Sans just acts like so nonchalant about things. And he's just like, yeah, I can, I can take you if I needed to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, you know, unless unless you're willing to like bash your head against the sands fight for something like six hours before you actually get it down and actually beat him, but for the <laughs> most part, he's gonna kick your ass. <laughs> Never tried doing that run because I know I would not have it in me to go that far, and also <laughs> I don't want my whole save being permanently fucked in Undertale. <laughs> I would I would feel so bad. <laughs> well, yeah, it's um. Eventually, he kind of runs out of steam and sits down and begs her. He he uses her name, which I think this is the first time we get her name. Oh, he, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I straight up have a note here being like, wait, she has a name? She's only ever been referred to as the cat until being called mm -hmm. Samantha here. Yeah, yeah. So he asks Samantha to help him, and she agrees. The only way to learn what Grace isn't telling him is to see it. I will be calling her Samantha from here on out because that is her name. I've been using the cat up till now because we didn't know it. It's kind of a lake situation. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, she gives him a small cube and a vial full of tiny one ones, which I didn't realize that's what they were the first time through. I thought it was like a capsule of pills. I thought he was going to have to try and get Grace to eat this oh, or something. Yeah, weird. I know. I realized it immediately just because we saw the tiny one ones at the end of book two. Well, yeah, we they, absolutely they did, but at yeah. the time there had been a season break, and it was it was a while between. True. Yeah, yeah. So but it's like I realized immediately, like, oh yeah, that that has to be those guys, those little dudes. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, this is like a memory projector, basically. So he's going to need to use these tiny one ones to extract Grace's memory into a new tape that's different from the one that the uh, that, that the car makes. And he'll watch it using this tiny projector. So since it's not his tape, it'll be safe. But, uh, you know, just we shouldn't always know what's going on in other people's heads. It's like people deserve privacy because that's part of autonomy. You can't just invade their secrets and know everything about them because you can't like own or control them. Do you get it? So he should really think hard before doing this, but he just says that he's not a child and storms off as she tells him that he really doesn't know anything and he's exactly a child. Which, which I specifically liked that my note here right before Samantha said that was me typing, no, you really don't. And then she's like, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> like me and Samantha on the same magazine for like, this kid doesn't know shit. He's dumb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, uh, him getting just pissed overall about all the stuff is very unjustifiable because it's like, again, he's willing to invade people's privacy to find out, and it's like, it, it, there's a reason why they're keeping this information from you, my guy. It's because you're a murderous asshole. <laughs> uh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's like... How do I put this? I see him so strongly based on the way the world is today. It's, mm -hmm. He spent his entire life building up his system, building up the way things work. And the instant that that's not how things work, he has no retort for that whatsoever, except to throw a screaming fit and hurt someone. And that's, mm -hmm. yeah. It, it, yeah. It's very common. You know what I mean? That's, this is, this season is about 2016 presidential election. <laughs> Uh, pretty much. I mean, I'm pretty sure at one point or another I called the uh, the Apex incels in a way, and it's like, they really read like that a lot. Because <laughs> uh, this season was, what, 2019 or 2020? Uh, 19, I think. Maybe 20. I don't recall. I'm looking it up now to see. Just be here. No, I looked it up before, but I forget. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's, uh, premiere date, August 13th, 2020. So, oh boy, this was leading into uh, the bullshit that was going to go on with the next election, really. <laughs> Yay, alright, well, we should probably, uh, you know, stop for a day break and then continue on, huh? Yep, let's talk about the Patreon. Same. Yeah, um, so you can always find us, of course, at patreon.com slash usweirdos, where you can find incredible stuff, uh, like listening to our podcast, The X-Files, 13 weeks in advance. We are getting a pretty good head of steam up in The X-Files. We're, I don't know, like 8% of the way through the series. There's good stuff. <laughs> every every time you spit, phrase it like that, I'm just like, oh god, what did I agree to? <laughs> <laughs> it's a little more than 8%, because, but not ex it's a long, it's a long series. There's Sixty-two though. books, and we've just started book eight. So, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, and of course, I also do a weekly book recommendation for queer books. Uh, I read a lot, and I pass the knowledge on to you. And I go ahead and do a weekly let's play where I look at my computer and it's like, what interests me here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie, it's been a little harder finding regular queer books since I moved back to Texas because it's just so much easier to find them in Canada. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess I guess you would have to really order them online, really, at a certain point, based on just if those assholes are having your I way. I mean, don't underestimate my skills. I can still walk into a Walmart and find a gay book <laughs> within 15 minutes, but it's harder. <laughs> <laughs> But the point is, yeah, uh, join us. It's a good time. And, of course, we have to give a huge shout-out, a thank you to our patrons. Uh, so we need a huge thank you to Bookcase Queen, Trigger Harpy, and Aurora Borealis. Thank you so much, y'all. You're fantastic, and we love you. <laughs> yep, we appreciate the support, and hope you enjoy what we do put on that nonsense site. <laughs> <sighs> well, yeah, so with that said, I think it's about time to get back to our other book. Alright, and this will just lead us into the next episode, which is episode 8, which for some reason, in my mind, I always had the problem trying to pronounce the title of the car. It's the Hey-Ho-Wo car. I don't know why that just is so hard for me to think about in terms of saying and also saying it aloud. But it's, it's definitely I think it, unusual. <laughs> yeah, and again, it's like, it's really just because there's like some few like blocky dudes just saying that. It's like, I don't get, what the, I don't know, it's because they're falling, I guess, but it's like, it's just a weird name for a car. <laughs> and a weird premise. 
But yeah, then we open on the next morning as Grace and Hazel wake up in the cave with Hazel having been kept up by bad dreams because makes sense. Her mother figure died just two days ago because I'm an asshole. Uh, her claw and one arm are basically just turtley at this point as she wakes up, and she has some fun basically doing like the Wolverine thing of retracting and sticking it back out again just for funsies, just to practice stuff, I guess. And Grace tells her to stop it, but while Hazel at first doesn't want to since it's just a part of her, aka the trans-Hazel theory is confirmed, uh, that was not a theory up until now, but now it is, and it's been confirmed, <laughs> uh, Grace reminds her that Simon cannot know because he's Simon and is a murderous asshole. Uh, Hazel points out that he isn't here still, which makes it okay, which then of course makes Grace suspicious about his absence, but before they can actually dwell on it, too much. One of the flying snakes enters the cave to attack them, but it's just easily taken the fuck out by Amelia showing up and smacking him with a shovel. <laughs> because I guess these snakes have no hit points. <laughs> uh, Grace initially well, tries to get her to back off by like threatening her with a rock, but Amelia puts the shovel down and tries just talking her down by saying that she just saved their lives and offers to introduce herself and offers to take her hand. And she also says that she's making eggs and offers some to them, which just immediately wins over Hazel because she is a child. <laughs> like, she, she's hungry. She doesn't care. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, at her little cookout, Amelia says that she doesn't really like having to ask for their help, but she uh, really needs to understand the anomaly going on with the cars. And when she says that she appreciates Grace's cooperation, her number slightly lowers. Not by a whole lot, but she basically just doesn't even focus on this much when Grace points it out, because, uh, you know, she says, like, when your numbers are tied anyway, a few digits don't really fucking matter overall. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's... Yeah, I mean, her, her number's still on her neck, even when it lowers a little bit, and it's like, yeah, it's it's, it's not going down really low, much at any rate, so it's like, you know, it doesn't really matter as much. This did lead to some questions for me, because, like, her number stops on her left arm, or, yeah, her left arm, so, like, why is yeah, it it's, it's, going it's down from neck, her yeah. neck? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that might be an oversight. Who knows? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm sure it makes sense somehow. I just want the 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 pathing of how this number crosses your body. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, this, who can really say? It's like, obviously, we're never gonna get the view of like a person entirely naked to see how a big number wraps around them because that would be weird. But it's like it's. You would think that since it starts on the palm and, like, goes up, it would probably, like, more, like, go down, uh, like, the left... Because, like, the number's on... Was it the left hand or the right hand? Uh, the number is usually right. on the right hand. Yeah, you would think it would, like, go up, like, the right arm, then, like, down the left leg a little bit on, like, a side, then loop back up to go down the other leg and loop back up to get to the arm, then go kind of, like, back down the arm to go across your torso to your neck. I don't know, it's... That's how I'm thinking it would fill up entirely, <laughs> but who knows? It, I don't think it matters as much. We're not supposed to dwell on it too much. But I want to know so I can get a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> Just cover my entire body with glowing green numbers. I don't know how you, know, like you get you got that glow in the dark uh, ink like they do on like the little keychains and stuff. Just put that on me. <laughs> Just random random numbers. Hmm? I mean, there are glow in the dark tattoos. Um, yeah, fair. You can even get them so that they don't show up under normal light, but they appear on black light, so... <laughs> <laughs> so when you're looking around to see if somebody's been fucking in, like, a hotel, you can see your number then, but not, not no other time. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, most uh, reputable tattoo shops don't offer that on account of it's still pretty new and we don't know anything about, like, <laughs> whether that's safe or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it is a thing that could happen, theoretically. <laughs> yep. Alrighty. Well, <laughs> on that note, uh, <laughs> when Amelia basically just hands over some slightly burned eggs to Hazel and says she's not really great at making any food, Hazel just like instinctively responds with that she makes the best pancakes, but then Amelia points out that they just met yesterday so Hazel would have no way of knowing this, and she just kind of cryptically responds saying that she just knows. Which of course then leads into a way more uh, weird theory crafting, which of course will actually be answered in this episode. But uh, basically it just leads into Amelia relating this to how Alrush was said the same thing, and then she briefly explains her backstory about having lost him. And at this, Hazel hugs her, saying that she likes her and that they're there for her. But Amelia basically just has to hike through this heartwarming moment since the fucking the name of the car that I'm forgetting that they're in the canyon of the the golden... canyon of the golden winged snakes car. <laughs> so long, it doesn't matter. We're gonna be out of here in a few minutes. <laughs> but I love the canyon of the golden winged snakes car. We should stay in the canyon of the golden winged snakes car as long as possible. <laughs> no, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> And at any rate, this car, she says this car is like moments of being ejected, so they have to get a move on. And Grace refuses to leave without Simon because she still has some faith in that fucker for whatever reason, even though nobody should at this point. Now, there is oh. something I want to bring up real quick here, though. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, so Amelia was cooking on this pan, which is on mm-hmm. like a tripod, and it was over a fire, so she could cook the eggs. In this scene, the fire is gone. And she just instantly picks up the tripod and the pan and hooks them to her backpack without cleaning them or anything. Like, those are still hot. <laughs> Again, Amelia said that she's bad at cooking. She doesn't bother with focus on that stuff. <laughs> you, you can't just walk around dragging, like, you gotta clean it out. Other... <laughs> That's that's how you get infections. But more than that, again, she's again, not good at cleaning, and she's not good at cooking. So maybe she also doesn't wash stuff well. But yeah, even further though, like again, that was directly over a fire less than a minute ago. It's still super hot. Worry, it's gonna mess up it. your backpack. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's a train. It's got magic fire. I don't know. It's it's got the fucking synthetic fire bullshit that comes up in uh. Freaking Hunger Games. It's like it looks like fire and acts like fire, but it doesn't burn you. Oh, Who that's knows? why she's bad at cooking, is because it's got no heat. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's there for show. The eggs are actually really bad, yeah, and she's giving Hazel Salmonella by accident. Because <laughs> she doesn't know any better. She's bad at cooking. <laughs> yeah. Again, one of those things we're not supposed to focus on. It, it's like us, it brings, it's like us bringing back up the whole, like, food thing on the Boiling Isles when Luce had, like, an entire, like, loaf of bread and an apple in episode two, and then it's, like, becomes a pl- plot problem back in the beginning of season two, when it's like, oh, she really can't eat much here. <laughs> Don't worry about that stuff that she actually clearly had and could eat. <laughs> or the fact that the Boiling Isles has peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> I maintain that that is not and never has been a problem, so... Because, again, they had the portal door in first season and had easy access to the grocery store. But they don't have money! I mean, unless Eda's just sneaking in there and stealing shit, which, I mean, to be fair, she's Eda. Yeah, she is. (laughs) I guess. I mean, she already tried to basically, like, uh, like, sneak in and, like, get little pastries without having, like, actual money and then enchanted the pastries to scream and talk. <laughs> but the rats, it wasn't the base right, it was the rats. 
No, no, it was the pastries, and the rats ate the pastries, and that's what enchanted the rats, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> Who knows? Again, uh, things are not supposed to dwell on in cartoons meant for teenagers or kids. <laughs> yes. Anyway, here's a fan art I found of Amelia and Ida together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's basically how they roughly act around each other. Ida being usual stuff <laughs> and Amelia having none of it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Alrighty, uh, where the fuck was I? Uh, yeah, basically, yeah, they leave the car, and for some reason it's at that point when they left the car that Grace is actually calling for Simon and not in the Queen Snake's car. I don't know why she wouldn't try that there. Maybe she was implied she did and she couldn't find them, so they left. But, yeah, he finds them as they're leaving the car since it took him all night to get to and back the Le Chalet, Le Chalet car. Fuck, I already forgot how you pronounce it. <laughs> fuck. Uh, yeah, Le Chalet. <laughs> for the French car. <laughs> Which is very, like I'm saying it with a very American accent, right? I think it would be more like yeah. Le Chant Cholet, but yeah, it's, it's like it's like how everybody says Blahaj, even though it actually would be like Blohai. I think it's how you pronounce it in Swedish. Blohai. Yeah, but everybody just says Blahaj because Blahaj is funny. Blohai. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've always just said Blahaj because again, <laughs> that's just how it's written, and I don't I don't speak Swedish. <laughs> <laughs> in any case, uh, he he merely tries to attack Amelia based on what Samantha told him, only to find that her like one one belt creates a force field to protect her, and he then notices that it also has a sine wave, which he believes is basically her appropriating the sign of the apex, because of course he would think this. What a ding dong! Yeah, like you know, <laughs> like, you oh, took it's... that symbol from someone else who was associated well... with the boss of the train. Yeah, you know, he would. you would think that he would actually think about that, but also he's Simon, so of course he doesn't. Also, <laughs> none of them have been in enough school to take the math classes where you learn about sine, cosine, and tangent, so he also wouldn't know it's a sine wave. Well, yes. Like, Amelia explains, it's a sine wave, you idiot, and it's like, he had no he wouldn't have no idea what a sine wave is. <laughs> now, to be fair, I wouldn't know either, if not for this show, so... <laughs> I, I mean, I remembered sine, cosine, and tangent. You could not ask me how to actually calculate that stuff anymore, because I've been out of school for over a decade. <laughs> But I remember at one point I knew. I, mean, I still at least somewhat remember the progress that you do for like figuring out logarithms in math because of my one teacher that taught me to basically like do like a like heart drawing basically to figure out like because you start from like the, the middle and like go around to the right then at the bottom and then to the finish it out and that's how, like the order that you calculate stuff. But I don't remember how you calculate it necessarily. I just remember the order. <laughs> Which confused one of my college math teachers, where he's like, "How are you figuring it out so easily with way less work shown?" And it's like, "Because you do the follow your heart method." I and he was he was blown away, but he was like, "Okay, <laughs> you got it right, and you show your work, but it's like weird, different than the way I thought you'd teach it." <laughs> I think you are forgetting that I went to high school in Texas. I'm lucky I know what math is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially with the way things are going nowadays, a place like Texas and Florida, trying to basically uneducate kids entirely. Mm-hmm. That was what they believe education is. Yay! My senior year, my final math class was like solve for x. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I yeah, I mean, con compared to like when I was in ninth grade, like the infamous thing at my school was that there was like a way harder uh, like uh, math problem of trying to figure out like the dimensions of a straw inside of a cup and it was like such an infamous problem they had to basically rebalance the entire grading for that SAT because no kids passed <laughs> basically <laughs> I remember like a few days later I found my math teacher in like a room when I was like finishing another uh, SAT, like test or whatever like another final and I remember being like hey I don't know if you 
know by now, but do you know what I would have gotten on that? And he's like, actually, you're like one of the few people that he did pass by. You got like a 67, and it's like, well, that's probably a problem for everybody, because this is, yeah, it was like even the case in the classroom, you know, how you're supposed to be quiet during finals and stuff, where like people are like asking the, the, the people, like the proctors, being like, yo, what the fuck is up with this question? And they were like, even, yeah, we, we we're going to have to talk, bring this up to people, because this is messed up. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I could easily find that too. I've had to like basically figure it out because I remember looking it up once before and finding it immediately. I've had to mostly just remember what year that was when I was in ninth grade because <laughs> that was a while ago. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a bad problem. I remember bringing it up because my friend uh, is actually in the same was in the same grade as me, so he took the same one. And like when I brought that up again, he's like, "Oh yeah, I know how you solve this now." And it's like, I had no idea how you solved that back then though because <laughs> I was also like 15, like you or whatever. <laughs> Well, hey, I mean, if you find it, send it to me. I'll put it in the episode notes for the show. <laughs> sure. <laughs> show you the fucking fucked up ninth grade uh, New York State SAT or final. I forget what it was called. It's one of those stupid terms. I know SAT is not in every state. Yeah. yeah. Or then... Regents, Regents exam, I think it was, it was. Yeah, Regents was also like not every state. Exactly, yeah. And then yeah. if the listeners solve the puzzle, they will have access to the real episode notes, which tells you everything <laughs> about the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I'm looking for this now when I have more to go over. Uh, I'll look for it later. <laughs> what is it? Right. Uh, algebraic? Is that the thing from Adventure Time? <laughs> uh, mathematical is what you're Yeah, there about. you go. Yeah. Mathematical. Anyway, uh, Infinity Train, not Adventure Time. Uh, Amelia realizes that this is why these dumb kids have lipstick on their faces, because of the sine wave, and Grace regurgitates the propaganda about the air quotes true conductor as being their idol with the highest number. At this point, Simon tries to intimidate her, saying that the air quotes true conductor, I don't know why I'm always going to say air quotes, because uh, she's not the true conductor, but they're referring to her, uh, would destroy her easily if he wasn't imprisoned by 1-1, one -one, but Amelia laughs at this and reveals herself as the air quotes true conductor by having her voice modulator device out to just talking her old imposing uh robot voice i think it's and... funny that she still carries this with her <laughs> yeah it's like you really don't need this <laughs> like this is really just more incriminating evidence than anything even if she finds it amusing at this point and being like yeah fuck it that was me you kids are idiots <laughs> like honestly i thought it was built into the robot suit the fact that she That's can just carry too. it <laughs> well i mean i guess to be fair like when we saw alrick had it he also had it as like a separate device so maybe she just had it like uh like maybe like it was just taped to the top of the helmet or something so it just yeah. works rather than her having to hold it up to her head all the time <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's a little amusing that she just happens to have it on her for no reason <laughs> just being like yeah this is me <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but she admits that the only false conductor around here was herself not one one and at this grace tries to remind her of when she saved her seven years ago in the pumpkin car which we've alluded to before but Amelia just brushes this off because she doesn't care <laughs> and she heads off to the next car to wait for them as they discuss things because Amelia just wants to get a move on and she doesn't have time for these kids and their bullshit you know I'm not super sure that it's because Amelia doesn't care I think it's more because she probably didn't realize she was saving a kid and is like just trying yeah, to scoot yeah. past that yeah <laughs> There is that. I mean, like, it's also, like, when it gets brought up later on, she's even, like, if I did so, it wasn't intentional. Or that was, that, that's actually in the trivia. That's, like, apart from, like, a cutscene. For being, like, if I did so, it wasn't on purpose. <laughs> like, yeah, it doesn't care. Uh, in any case, uh, Simon just wants to leave because he thinks Amelia is dangerous, but Grace isn't as convinced since she doesn't think that Amelia is either their friend nor their enemy. Well, Hazel just likes her because she knows about Turtles, which is accompanied by her squeezing Grace's hand, which leads to a lot of 
like about what's going on with Hazel's whole thing. Like she's clearly been like, yeah, maybe maybe Melee knows something about me in particular. She knows about turtles. Huh. Grace again says that she hasn't heard Amelia's voice modulator since she was a kid, and when Simon tries to bring up what Samantha told him, she interrupts to ask why he even went there. But he just brushes it off as complicated because everything to Simon is just complicated because he doesn't want to actually process his emotions and trauma. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, also because he's obviously not going to say, yeah, I plan on stealing your memories to learn what's actually going on because I'm literally the worst person. <laughs> he's not going to say that because that would be Simon actually being in touch with his emotions and revealing the truth for a change rather than just being his usual shitty angry self. Ha. Huh. Yep. <laughs> You got. You just got it. Maybe one one needs to create a therapist on the train. I know the train is basically a big old therapist on its own, but maybe it needs a little bit more of a direct approach with things at times, <laughs> especially in these kids' cases. I think Simon just needs a rage room. Give him ten minutes and the ability to break everything, and he'd be fine. I feel like he does that. I mean, that's basically what the train is to him, isn't it? He goes around breaking shit and killing people because he thinks he can get away with it. <laughs> Yeah, but that's like different context, right? He's he's guess, expressing yeah. Com- compared to compared to like if you make a room that is like here's a bunch of expendable stuff, no people in there, just go to town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe one one has to send him a freaking uh, punching bag in a pod and be like, here you go, just fucking work it out. <laughs> <laughs> Although knowing him, he probably would just take a knife and stab it. <laughs> oh yes, almost certainly. Yeah, rather than actually punch it. And then use the fluff to create snow for one of his dioramas. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Okay, whatever. <laughs> uh, Grace just says that she trusts him and hopes that he trusts her, which again, bad choice. Uh, and they then go and enter the Hey Ho Wo car, which again, just has little black guys falling into a pit and they just take turns saying Hey Ho and Wo as they fall. I can't They're believe they exited deaths. the canyon of the Golden Winged Snake's car. Shut up. <laughs> We're never if that car shows up again next season, I'm gonna be annoyed. <laughs> what are you talking about? The Canyon of the Golden Winged Snakes car is fantastic. Source. Uh, literally has snakes that try to eat people. It's bad. It's one yeah. of the few train cars that is designed to kill people. <laughs> what is the purpose of this car, one one? Snakes. It doesn't have it doesn't have a puzzle, it doesn't have people you have to talk to to help them out with their problems, it just has murder monsters in it. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> none of these kids are designed like none of the people on the on the train are designed to actually like kill a bunch of giant monster wing snakes <laughs> this, this train car serves no purpose <sighs> also I, I read apparently that like only denizens get attacked by this oh not denizens only passengers get attacked by the snakes because like they don't act, it doesn't actually like seem like it's going after hazel and they definitely did not attack lake when they were walking through it in the beginning of season of uh, book two yeah that's so, a fair point I mean, I guess it makes sense that snakes would be denizens as well, so they don't want to attack other denizens. But it's like, they're still there to attack people. <laughs> people who presumably still have families and friends to get back to in the real world off the train. So, <laughs> so, so well, sorry, you got you got unlucky. You're in the death car. Sorry, you die. <laughs> Tough shit. <laughs> Right. In any case, Amelia explains that the Hey Ho Well car reset and that they have to wait for the pillow fit with these little guys. So Hazel tries to just hang out with Amelia to win her over by playing with sticks that she calls robots. I don't really know what she's actually... I don't know what game she's playing here because she's just basically stacking them up like it's like a little campfire, but she's calling them robots. But they're <laughs> sticks. Uh, but Grace eventually comes over and tries to ask her again about 
her time as a false conductor and how she took control. And uh, basically, Amelia just says that she took control because she didn't like how one one did things in order to try recreating her own life, but just failed repeatedly and only ended up creating things that shouldn't be. Which is kind of harsh because of what we're going to find out in like two minutes. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, she doesn't really empathize even with children. So, you know, she's Amelia. Even if she's trying to be better, she's still Amelia. Yeah, she sure is. Yep. She's at least not going around doing wanton murder and destruction like some other people, though. Ha. Cough, Simon. Cough. <laughs> uh, but Simon just basically brushes all off as what he calls pod propaganda. Because, again, he's basically just relating, uh, like, equating what she's saying to what one one tells people when they get first get on the train. Well, to be fair, now when they get on the train, because apparently that was just not happening for who knows how long ever since Amelia took over. <laughs> The really frustrating thing about this scene to me is that Simon cannot just, like, Grace already told her that she does not trust this person, and she's just trying to get whatever info she can out of her, and yet he cannot, he is so terminally incapable of staying quiet for more than 15 seconds that, like... Yeah. (sighs) Also, I I found the straw puzzle. (laughs) It's actually more of a PDF that explains the entire thing, and also does kind of say how to answer it, but... That's that's it right there. I recognize <laughs> that fucking stupid straw in the box anywhere. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> uh, in any case, uh, yeah, Grace just touches him because, of course, you should just tell Simon to shut the fuck up and fuck off. And really continues saying that the cars she's ejecting are ones that she made, but that one one basically just didn't like this whole just, I guess, shoot the car off the train entirely plan that she was doing. So she's instead just trying to quarantine them at the end of the train. <laughs> Which, I mean, fair. You probably don't want to undo a bunch of one ones work just basically being like, yeah, just fire this one off into the sun, I guess. Or if there's this one of those sun in the wasteland, <laughs> just fire it off. Uh, the Grace asks if she's one one's prisoner, and she just laughs us off before saying that she's pretty much just doing this to make amends in the hopes of one day possibly getting off the train. Which, of course, this naturally sets off Simon because he thinks the train belongs to them, and therefore it's their property and they shouldn't actually ever leave it because he doesn't ever think about things besides just stay here and continue to kill. <laughs> Yay! Uh, when Amelia asks them if they even know why they're here, Grace kind of just pitifully says this to get the highest number, but she doesn't sound even confident in her own answer when she says that. But Amelia explains that the train's true purpose is that they're basically just stuck here until they learn to do better at being people and get over their problems. And... You know, that's how you get your number to zero, by actually learning as opposed to just continuing down your dangerous and destructive path that you're on. Yeah. <laughs> but alas, no learning is going on in this car. <laughs> no. Not, well, I mean, Grace might at least be learning something, because she actually does seem like she comes around, but it's like, she still has problems with it entirely, because it's like, yeah, I'm telling you to your face that the, what you thought was the truth for the last seven years is a lie, you dumbass kid, because you decided this was the truth <laughs> without actually ever thinking about it for a sec. <laughs> yeah. But of course, Simon's just having none of this, and is annoyed that Grace is trying to come around to the truth, and that she's listening to someone who works for one, uh, the person that he still thinks is the false conductor. Grace at this point then points out that Amelia was is the real false conductor, which is weird for me to say the real false conductor, because, again, he thinks the false conductor is one one and not her. <laughs> but, of course, in true Simon fashion, he just rebukes this by saying that if even that were the case, then Amelia has just lost her way because she's not trying to get the highest number anymore. <laughs> At this, Amelia just points out that Simon clearly has never entertained the notion that he might ever be wrong. 
which clearly he has never. <laughs> and she then, of course, also has to take it in her turn to call him in a child, which immediately sets him off, and as we expected, because it's so easy to set off Simon, because he's just looking for an excuse to be angry all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. He, so this is kind of what I was referring to earlier. Like, when he attacked her on the bridge, right? He dropped off the top of the car. He used the harpoons to accelerate himself. It was like a cannon attack, but the shield yeah. protected her anyway. This, this, is, this is just him, like, just like, this is like uh, whenever you're just in, like, a hotel bed, basically, and you're just trying to frantically, like, kick the uh, the linens or whatever that are stuck because they always tuck them under. That's basically what he's doing here, just being like, yeah. <laughs> like just get up and just walk over and lift up the bed a little bit and get the sheets out from there. Don't just fruitlessly kick it when you don't have a good like <laughs> angle or anything because your leg is kind of stuck because of the like the bed sheets being stuck under the bed. <laughs> That's exactly what he's doing like all this time when he's trying to like kick and punch the shield. He's just like yeah. <laughs> Like, just basically just, like, kicking it to the side, and it's like, that's not really giving you much of an angle or, like, speed or anything, because you're just, like, like casually nudging it. It's like what I would do with my ferrets if I had to, like, get them away from someplace, just being like, come on, get out of the way, and just nudge them with my foot a little. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But, of course, uh, as alluded to there, uh, he, of course, tries to punch her, but he's just tossed away by her shield. And Amelia just basically starts counting down to three because she's basically like, if you don't stop at count three, I will end you. <laughs> she, she basically says it like, I will put you down, but it's like, that really sounds like she's just going to kill this kid. <laughs> Which, to be fair, kind of justified at this point because he is just going around killing everybody else that he wants to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but again, he just continues to fruitlessly kick the shield as Hazel starts getting upset and Grace even tries again to stop. Uh, but as Amelia reaches three, Hazel off screen has transformed in because she was like sad and desperate and stuff during this whole bit because she's just like just fucking stop because of course Hazel actually like, cares even if she shouldn't really should not care about what Simon's up to because he's a dick. Yeah. <laughs> and at this point, Grace basically tries to pretend like she doesn't actually know that this was a thing by being like, "Oh wow, look at that! Who could have foreseen this?" And it's like you are just making things worse for both of these. Grace, you're tr you're trying to be friends with both these people still, and you are failing spectacularly, basically. <laughs> uh, but yeah, immediately then realizes that Hazel is actually the closest she ever got to recruiting Alric. Uh, she had a turtle handkerchief, and that explains the entirety of the turtles, just because she had a handkerchief with a turtle on it. <laughs> so I guess it's just instinctive by accident. It just keeps happening because of that. And also because Hazel possesses her initial number. So basically, I guess she's kind of like somewhat of an amalgam of herself and Alric in a sense. Like, she basically was, like, trying to recreate him and accidentally created a child turtle that has her number. <laughs> <sighs> it, it, it's, I, I have questions about this a lot because it's like, I don't know how this is, like, the closest she ever got to recreating Alric because it's like, again, like, even though she has a human appearance most of the time unless she, like, starts to, like, lose her cool and everything, it's like, she's, she's a turtle and also a kid and... <laughs> Clearly not anywhere close to Auric, really. <laughs> like, she happens to have, like, some of his memories, in a sense. Like, just going based on an instinct. But she's, like, really not close to Auric, really. I guess it, I guess if this is the closest she ever got to recreating Auric, all of her other attempts have been really bad. <laughs> like, even worse. Uh, I guess, yeah. Yeah. But uh, she does say that Hazel is the anomaly she's been looking for, basically. And that the pulse will eject any car that she's in. So she'll, she offers to basically just take things over 
from here by quarantining her before the pulse hits. This way, cars stop getting ejected overall. But the pit isn't filled yet, but uh, she basically tells the kids that they could leave as soon as the pit's filled. But like Simon, of course, at this point, is just like, we could just leave. We could just go around the outside of the train with the harpoon pack while leaving Hazel with Amelia. We don't need to stay. <laughs> but Grace hesitates because Grace is actually starting to actually realize that everything they've been doing is wrong. Yeah, yeah. It took her, yeah. what, seven years? But she's getting there. Yeah, yeah, you know, it took her a while. <laughs> uh, yeah. But Hazel asks, sadly, if they're leaving her behind, and Grace kind of once again tries to act tough by saying that she'll do whatever she wants, but she immediately feels bad about it when she sees that Hazel's sad about this, and yeah, here's Simon's basically she does call just Hazel a slur in this moment. Yeah. I, I've, been, I've been intentionally avoiding saying it because it sounds real bad. <laughs> yeah, she does, she does, but she does call Hazel a slur about ten <laughs> It's It's bad. And again, to her credit, she feels bad immediately about it, but, I mean, I feel like that's part, like, I, I feel like that's, like, 50-50 on, oh, I made Hazel upset, I feel bad about that, and also, oh, God, Simon is agreeing <laughs> right now, that's bad, too. <laughs> it's like, it's, it always reminds me of the, like, early Order Stick uh, comic of, like, uh, Roy being, like, your approval fills me with shame, or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, it's just bad. Uh, but yeah. She then says that they should just camp out and wait for the pit to fill, claiming that it's safer than going around the side of the train, which, to be fair, she is right. They only have one harpoon pack. Like, even if Simon was able to go get the Apex and then get another pack, it'd be kind of hard to carry it with him while using his own pack. Even if, <laughs> I mean, even then, like, even if he used his anti-gravity boots, you don't know if, like, a train car might move around and might scrush you or something. So it just makes sense to stay, because it's safer. We'll just wait till the pit fills, I mean, then they can leave. Uh, he's just pissed about this, but, you know, after she basically, like, like, again, pulls rank on him, he kind of just emotionlessly says okay, and that she's a leader, and he just goes to sleep far away from the others. To be fair, like, everybody's kind of sleeping a little bit far away from each other at this point, because, like, Hazel's just kind of off on her own, curled up in her shell, and Amelia's just doing her own thing because she's Amelia. So it's like, no, really, nobody's sleeping near Grace is the thing, I feel like, overall. Yeah. <laughs> it's more the point. But, like, also, Simon is, like, Simon is, like, not even close to the wall. He's just out in the open. Where it's like, one of these rock guys could easily fall wrong and smash you. Which, <laughs> sadly, doesn't happen. Alas. Yeah. Well, it probably wouldn't affect him, though. I mean, the Simon has died count is at three, so... <laughs> He, he, he's basically, he's like a Souls character. He just builds up a little bit of a resistance towards it. It's like, well, I already lost like 40k Souls that other time, so if I died now, it really wouldn't matter to me. <laughs> it's like, it's happened so often. It's like, eh. No, it's like, my character might look a little bit more beef jerky if we're going by Dark Souls 2 rules of like your hit point total lowering, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I cannot emphasize enough how his Kill count is at four, and his death count is at three. He is doing terribly in this run. <laughs> yeah, his K Simon, you're bringing down the rest of the group. You gotta build up your KD, my guy. Like, never before have we had a character with this terrible of a KD rate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Yeah. But in any case, basically, uh, this is all part of Simon's plan because he's really not asleep, because he wakes up in the middle of the night to go and deploy his vial of tiny one ones to get Grace's tape. And he feeds it through the little, like, miniature projector that Samantha had given him, which replays the scene where Hazel is worried about Simon going to kill her because she's a turtle, and how Grace promises her that they just simply won't tell him the truth, and he starts to silently cry over this 
what he perceives as an act of betrayal on Grace's behalf, which it kind of is, but also, to be fair, he would totally kill Hazel. <laughs> well, yeah. He absolutely would if he found this out. Like, in this moment, he really can't because Amelia's around and Amelia could kick his ass. And also, to be fair, Hazel probably could also kick his ass, but... It's like, of course, everything has to always be about Simon, so that's how he sees it. <laughs> uh, that's where we leave off that episode, and uh, it's not going to get much better from here on out, because I know how the rest of this drill goes. Yeah. The rest of this book. <laughs> I will say, like, that little projector the cat gave him, that seems bad. I mean, the the tapes are super dangerous to the person whose tape they are, so the fact that it just plays it all over the place, if she wakes up, she's doomed. It's not like it's, like, playing the audio just for him. It's playing the audio pretty fucking loudly. <laughs> and none of these people wake up to hear this. Like, if Grace... Grace is not that far away, because he just basically has it right there next to her. If she woke up and actually looked over there, and then it's like, well, she's stuck in her tape, fuck. Yeah, mm-hmm. It would be so easy, but... Yeah. Yeah. Conveniently, <sighs> for the sake of the plot, nobody wakes up and sees it. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that's all I got for those episodes. I don't think we have any questions, though, right? Uh, I don't believe we do. And frankly, I'm not surprised that kind of happens in weeks where we do two episodes in a week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we didn't get any last time. And also, it's like, we tend to get more questions kind of closer to like, the start and end of shows, I find. At least it seems like. Yeah, that's that is true as well. But <sighs> so since we do not have questions, we will instead be going back to the well of freak stakes. Uh, we've got three of them today because we have no questions. So, do you have a sweet tooth? No, not really. I I used to <laughs> as a kid, but I noticed it like worn off a lot as I got older. Yeah, that's I think fair. Part I think part of it is also, it's like, you know, like, your teeth just get a bit worse over time, so you can't just eat as much sweet stuff, and, like, I also noticed that, like, kind of the varies on the kind of chocolate, but even though, even recently, I've noticed that, like, a lot of chocolate, if it's, like, like, if it's, like, heavy, like, just, like, a chocolate bar or something like that, I notice it seems to be, like, a little bit, like, the texture kind of gets stuck in my mouth, and it just feels like a bad time. Because, <laughs> like, for the most part, it's, like, when it comes to that, I can, like, have, like, uh, like, the kinds of, like, ice cream that have, like, some chocolate chips in it and stuff, and, like, cookies that are more, like, peanut butter and chocolate chip, or even, like, Reese's. Yeah. Like, the, but, but more, like, the, like, the flatter Reese's cups more than the normal size ones, I notice. So it's more like I need, like, another texture in there that, like, offsets it, I guess. <laughs> but, yeah, for the most part, kind of know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just generally am not into chocolate. I mean, I guess it's fine or whatever, but <laughs> it's never been my thing. I prefer fruit candies, which is weird because I can't have real fruit because my stupid taste thing, so. Yeah, well, I mean, I can I can see why that would make sense. Like, you're trying to compensate for not being able to have real fruit. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly not a conscious thing, but maybe that's... <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like... I don't know. Let's see. What have I got? I've got a mason jar full of Jolly Ranchers, about a pound of Starburst, uh, four different types of gum, uh, eight packs of Warheads, uh, two bags <laughs> of Sour Patch Kids, and a bag of Sour Skittles on my computer desk right now. So yes, I would say probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, when it comes to that, if I just want to have like uh, like something like just in my mouth to keep myself busy, I kind of go more to like cough drops, but not like the like cough drops are like really heavily like the like uh 
kind that's supposed to be to clear up your throat, more just like the like the Ludens kind of uh, cough drops, where it's like it's more just like yeah, it's it's in there. It's mostly just to taste nicer, more than actually like you know like the kind that like are really designed to be more like medicine. That's like you can taste the like minty kind of part of it or whatever. Oh, actually, now that you bring it up, I do also have a bag of uh, citrus-flavored cough drops on my desk, but I didn't bring that up because that's medicine-ish. <laughs> yeah, again, like, it, it kind of depends on the brand of cough drop, because, like, there's definitely some that are, like, more like medicine and more just, like, oh, it's just, like, a casual thing to throw in your mouth. Kind of yeah, deal. these are, like, fruit candy, basically. <laughs> yeah, like, I know there are, like, ones of those, like, I see them occasionally where it's, like, it's more like, these are, like, the kind of just more, like, as a vitamin C supplement more than an actual cough drop. <laughs> Those are those are good at times. Like you know, you don't obviously want to go crazy with that stuff because it's like, well, you don't want to just keep tossing them in. <laughs> but yeah, no. Besides that, like I still have like uh, I think like some like Hershey Kisses in the fridge that my mom got me back on Valentine's Day when she was here last because that's when she helped me move in. And it's like she sent me a bunch of stuff for Easter. I really didn't touch that stuff because I'm like, I just I don't eat chocolate all that much. I think I, I'm pretty sure I told you that in the past, and it's mm-hmm. like that's too much. Like, it's like that whole, like, chocolate rabbit. I'm just like, I'm, I'm not going to eat that, I'll be honest. It's too much. Yeah, I definitely do still have my chocolate rabbit as well. <laughs> um, but yes, um, a lot of candy in my house. Uh, and I don't know why it's not because I need sweets. It's more of a flavor thing. I, I, yeah. I can't describe it. It's it's the, the citrus fruit flavor. That, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, like, I think I've mentioned on the podcast before that I'm more of, like, a, like, salty food kind of person when it comes to snacks rather than, like, sweet stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Which is funny that it's, like, I always think of it being, like, well, I never got, like, the pickle thing with Relate to Spiro that everybody talks about. But it's, like, well, I also do have, like, a bunch of chips and pretzels and stuff. <laughs> so I guess it's just a sense of, like, I like pickles, like, as, like, part of the burger rather than, like, as an actual snack itself, I guess. <laughs> I guess in some way it's, like... Because I cannot experience one of the flavors, I tend to go really hard on all the others. So, mm-hmm. uh, like, I've got all these sweets, of course, salty food, absolutely. I just eat 30 to 40 olives sometimes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you've mentioned that before, because I feel like 30 to 40 olives is something that sounds familiar to me. Um, There is also a meme that might be it. Oh, okay. Um <laughs> uh. I need to I need to look that up now because it sounds so familiar. Um, yes. Uh, I like it. I like as soon as I started typing that, it of course brought up the like thirty feral hogs thing. Well, yeah, but that's <laughs> just not... in the autocomplete. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, I I oh, go okay, yeah, mad yeah, for that's flavor. What, yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> um, so our second Frank's takes for today. Uh, have you had your hearing tested lately? No, I, I kind of <laughs> wondered about that because it's like I am in my mid thirties. I probably should, but yeah, I haven't done that in a long time. To be fair, I've n- I don't really get sick all that much to the point where I need to go to a doctor. And it's like, again, I only go every couple years to get my vision test done for new glasses. So it's like that's really the only thing I really focus on as much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I don't think I've had a hearing test in years. And I'm, it must be years, because I don't think it's been... It would have been when I was... Um, I'm sorry, I'm having difficulty thinking about myself in mm-hmm. a time period, because I don't usually do that. But <laughs> it would have been when I was 26-ish? Yeah, 26, because that's when 
My parents... My dad had military, right? So I was covered. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any medical expenses until I aged out, and that happens at 26. So it would have been, like, right before that birthday, I would have gotten all the tests done. So that's the last time I got a hearing test. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's also, like, partly kind of easy to be like, oh, well, I mean, if you can hear stuff and respond to people, I feel like that already kind of gives you an indication of where you're hearing that anyway. Compared to, like, your vision, where it's, like, you might not notice your vision getting worse over time until you actually, like, go to a doctor's office to get that vision test. And they do, like, the whole, like, which is better, one or two, two or three thing to figure that out. And it's, like, oh, actually, your vision got way worse since last time kind of deal. <laughs> yeah, I guess that is... I don't know. I feel like I would notice if my hearing got worse, but maybe I'm just being, uh overconfident <laughs> mm, yeah uh, just the um, fact that we can clearly understand each other and respond to each other i feel like that at least gives us enough of a go-ahead to be like yeah our hearings are pretty good because we can actually understand whatever each other of us are saying yeah it's totally normal to have the volume set to max on my computer and my headphones that, and have your audio set to, be to fair, 200 that's on discord, discord in a sense too <laughs> Discord's default setting for audio in like output from other people on your end is always kind of low for some reason. <laughs> Which I get why, because they don't want to obviously blow out people's eardrums by having it set to higher. So it's like it's something that they're like, yeah, we'll start at like what we think is a good like beginning stage, and if you need it adjusted, do it yourself. <laughs> uh, alrighty, and then our final freaks take for today, and this might be the most interesting one. Do you believe in the power of a curse? No, not really. <laughs> I feel like we talked about this similar with like uh, walking on the ladders and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that other one was yeah. how superstitious are you? <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of similar, like kind of the same question in a sense where it's like, no, I don't really think so. No, I don't think it is at all, no. Because that was superstition and this is a curse. It's totally different. <laughs> mm. I, I, I kind of see it just cut from the same cloth, I guess. I'm, just, I'm not a superstitious person. I don't really believe in, like, oh, I put a spell on you. You're going to be, like, cursed to keep bonking your foot or something for every day for the rest of your life, because fuck you. I don't know. Well, obviously not that. No, that's not how anything works, but... <laughs> I, I mean, the HRT itself already has basically done that to be because it's like, you never know just how much you bonk stuff into your chest until you start going titty. And then it's like, why? <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Again, me, me just a couple of days ago being like, oh yeah, boobs eventually like stopped doing that whole like pain thing and then like immediately leaning off to the side and my one titty just being like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, why would you do this to me? It's like, I, what, what, you chose this moment to act up. Ah. I haven't had anything going on there for a while. <laughs> Again, I felt like it was because of the surgery where it's like, oh, okay, like things are going to be a little bit like cooler down there because it's like, you know, there's like silicone and stuff between stuff so i thought it would not be as much no it turns out in the last couple days it's still been going on at times so it's like well hopefully that's a good sign that you're still growing <laughs> but yeah like, obviously, obviously i know you can still have growth after like you know you have implants in like i, I i've seen zoe talk about that occasionally on twitter being like oh yeah it turns out uh <laughs> implants doesn't stop that <laughs> uh yeah so I guess uh, the way I would say this is that, yeah, absolutely, curses do have power. 
It's just that they don't work anything at all like you would see on TV. It's vibes. It's not... You can't curse someone to stub their toe. That's not going to happen. But you can <laughs> send bad vibes their way for sure. Anyone can sense bad vibes. All you have to do is look at them. <sighs> I, I, I'm thinking of that episode of The Simpsons, like that old one where Bart like sold his soul to Millas for some reason. And like Millas literally had a piece of paper that said Bart's soul. And, like, it was kind of implied that it was just all in Bart's head, but it still was him having a bad time until he got it back from Milos and then ate the paper to get his soul back inside of him, in a sense. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's exactly it. It's, um, jeez, I forgot the, um, placebo effect. It's that. Yeah, yeah, you're so convinced that things are going bad just because of, like, a coincidence or something like that that you just kind of keep making it worse by just kind of being in that head state where it's like you of course like everything you overanalyze it just feels like it's like oh this is clearly that it's I'm, it's all getting worse fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah like regardless of individual belief in whether the magic power of curses work which we have already discussed via superstition i am confident in saying that curses do in fact work if people know that they've been cursed because placebo <laughs> I mean, there was that joke going on with my friends of like, well, the stuff keeps happening on the 6th of each month for you, huh, Vi? And it's like, weird that it kept kind of seeming like that, because it was, again, like, the 6th of January is when I got diagnosed with COVID, the 6th mm -hmm. of February is when I found out my apartment was illegal, well, 100%, because I kind of was really sure of that, and then it's like, well, you can't live here anymore. The 6th of March was when my uh, stupid useless coworker began the job, which... I, uh, to my understanding, I don't think he's there anymore, because I don't think my job... Like, I basically, they basically told me, like, oh, yeah, the person sending out, like, like the mail and stuff or handling the mail didn't ship back out your uh, your chargeable wireless battery pack. And it's like, do you just not know the name of the employee that works there, point of contact with the job? Or is it somebody else already that got quit in, the, like, the month that I've been gone or something? I don't know. Do they even have a mailroom anymore? Like, from the stories <laughs> Who can fucking say at this point? I have no idea. <laughs> uh. I mean, I would have to assume they'd have somebody there to process the mail, even if it's not like a, even if they're not claiming that it's like a document processor person. But it's like, they, it's still an insurance company. They still have mail arrive because they still have to process like people's checks, even if our process, even if our equivalent of processing people's checks is scan them into the system and then ship them out once a week to the place that actually processes the checks, aka why they send this to us anyway, if we're not going <laughs> to do anything with them besides mail them out, really. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I don't know, it's, it's dumb. But, like, it was just constantly a case of, like, yeah, there was just, like, just little things, just, like, coincidence happening on the 6th of each month that I was like, fuck off, this isn't real. I know it's not, I know it's a coincidence, but it just feels like it at times for some reason. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> nothing hap nothing to my recollection happened the 6th of this month, nor May, I'm not remembering fully, but it's like, I don't remember anything in particular happening. Hmm. <laughs> uh. Uh, yeah, that'll do it for our Freaks Takes. Uh, do you have trivia for us this week? Uh, a minor amount. Not a whole lot. Like, obviously we didn't really have any new voice actors, so it wasn't that. But it's like, there's just a few little things. Funnily enough, there really wasn't even anything from the uh, episode 7, the name of that that is already escaping me. The Canyon of the Golden Winged Snakes Car, as has been Fuck. well established. Right. <laughs> That was no. That was not me being. Uh, that was not me joking around, not wanting to say the name. I legitimately forgot that was the name of the episode. <laughs> oh well. Uh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, no. Can you know the Golden Wing Snakes car? Fuck. <laughs> no, no, nothing, nothing for that one really. Uh, the only bits I have here is that like 
stuff like the Hey Ho Well car was teased in the Lucky Cat car episode because there was a stand that was labeled Hey Ho Well Toss at the carnival. Weird. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it apparently just got like thrown in there. I don't, I don't, I didn't look back to see if you're throwing those guys, but I'd have to imagine you are throwing the little like brick guys at like a target or something. They seem uh, to enjoy being thrown, I guess. I mean, their whole purpose is to fall out of, like, basically piped into a pit. I and hope they enjoy presumably it. stepped on to walk over the pit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, basically, the reveal that Hazel is an attempt at recreating Alric was teased via a couple of little things that we've seen so far. Uh, these examples are Hazel using British slang, like, don't be daft, he's barking mad, and apparently I'll be mother. Well, that's not apparently British. British slang. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah. Okay, yeah, listen, that, uh, that is not huh? a British slang. That is part of a formal tea party. So I'm yes, going based uh, on what the wiki has said, and as we've seen, the wiki in the past has been bad, aka with she <laughs> I'm just going, I'm just regurgitating what they said. <laughs> That's 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 I'm reading it off what they said. I have it in my notes. I have it editorialized a little bit, but they claim that that's British slang. I don't know how. <laughs> well, they're wrong. It is just a thing that you say when you're pouring tea. Albie Mother is the person who is pouring the tea specifically. Okay. They are offering well, to pour. Still, Galric and Amelia are British, and Hazel used British slang, so that was supposed to be hinted. It. Now, admittedly, uh, British people are probably more familiar with that since they have tea every friggin' day, but... <laughs> <laughs> At any point, uh, one other example of that is Hazel mentioning that she took dance classes way back in the uh, the debutante ball car, where uh, basically, as we saw briefly in the past car, there was a scene where Amelia and Elric took ballroom dance classes, so that was also a hint towards it. Uh, of course, we have Hazel mentioning the pancake thing, of which also in one of those flashbacks we saw Alric and Amelia making pancakes together in one of their memories. Uh, the fact that she even tells Amelia that they're there for her is a callback to what one of her friends told her while she was mourning Alric's passing, which that I feel like is not as much of a reference to her being a re an intent at recreating Alric. It's just more of a callback to that, I guess. Yeah, it's definitely a little more obtuse. Yeah, but that's one of their examples they said. Maybe it was like she like accidentally put that sort of like concern for her in her re attempts to recreate Alric or something, so that's why she has it there. But another big one is that apparently Aloysius is one of Amelia's attempts to recreate Alric because he's a turtle as well, and because also he and Alric had the same voice actor. Yeah. Which makes me a little bit suspicious of any denizen with an A name, because it's like, is Atticus an attempt at recreating well, I, I guess actually, yeah, I guess it wouldn't be an A name, right? Because, like, uh, Hazel has an H name. Yeah, so I guess not. So, yeah. I think Atticus is safe. I don't think he was an attempt. <laughs> no, I think he probably wasn't. No. Nah. Maybe more like a variety of turtle people were attempts. Because, like, Aloysius is just a turtle. He doesn't seem like he's, like, a person who can be a turtle at times. Why <laughs> uh, turtles? <laughs> Sorry, what was that? Uh, no, it was just, but why always turtles? I, I mean, even she's confused, even though she knows now, because it's, because she has a handkerchief with a turtle on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it just keeps sticking around, I guess. Maybe Alric gave her the handkerchief or something. One would have to assume. Yeah. But the only other thing I have for these episodes is that, uh, as alluded to earlier, there was an alternative scene where the kids learned that Amelia was the false conductor, as shown via storyboards. 
uh, basically, when she had told, uh, when, yeah, she was told that she had saved Grace in the past, Amelia's response was that if she did so, it wasn't intentional, at which point Simon would try to point out Amelia's name as though it was a secret, only for her to point to her name tag on her jumpsuit and sarcastically say that her secret is out. <laughs> <laughs> this scene was just seemingly shortened for time constraints. And, because also, it's like, that's not really a gotcha, Simon. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh no, you know my name. What do you, are, are you a fae? Simon, no. I mean, he's pretty consistently been a dingus this whole time. I don't see why he would stop. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, yeah, he would just always try to be like, well, I got one over you on you now, ha! And it's like, well, I guess that makes it the total one point to uh, Simon and 99 points to Amelia. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, my guy. But yeah, that's all. I don't have anything else for these episodes because like, they're really more heavily focused on the story rather than bits of trivia and stuff. Well, okay. Um, in that case, I suppose, do you have any closing remarks about these episodes? Because <laughs> I think I mean, I've got nothing. I, I, no, I mean, I feel like I've just been, like, uh, right with all of my theories. Again, bringing it up to, like, uh, how I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure Hazel is a denizen based on how she didn't remember anything about her past and, like, her being a little bit mysterious and stuff, and it's like, well, once she became a turtle, it's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm right, because I don't think this would be a pastor thing. <laughs> well, but uh, I mean, okay, yeah, but at the same time, you did, as of last episode, already tell us that you'd watched the entire series, so well, it's hard yeah, to... Yeah, but before then, before I watched all of it and got the confirmation she was an attempt to recreate Alric, I was still pretty much... Like, I mean, in my notes for episode, for after Tuba's death when she first turtles, I have my notes there that I took at the time of watching that episode that I was pretty sure I knew what was going on. And then the following episodes just confirmed that. <laughs> it wasn't like uh. me being like, oh, I knew about this theory because I looked it up. <laughs> no, it's like, it's, it's, it's not, it's the opposite of like when I was like, yeah, I revealed that I knew that, uh, Glimmer's mom was gonna die because I remember hearing that back when she died. <laughs> or that obviously Captain Dora was canon because I saw everybody freaking out on Twitter at the time. It's like I knew that those were things because that's just what culture osmosis was. <laughs> well, that wasn't me being like, oh, I predicted this because I read ahead or watched ahead and now I'm trying to make it seem like I'm a prophet. No, it's different. <laughs> I mean, I mean, as we've established way early on, I'm usually right about theories that I've had about the shows we've watched. Because <laughs> how often was I proven right with Farrell House? <laughs> uh, well, no one died, so I think I won that one. <laughs> well, we were right that Bellas would die. Uh... I was, I was intentionally trying to go for the long shot of like, would one of her mom figures also die? Just to be, just to be contrarian, really. <laughs> I knew I was probably gonna be wrong, but it's like you never know. Oh yeah, say that now after I won all the points. <laughs> yeah. yeah, after you, after you won that nothing prize, <laughs> you're getting what Simon got: bragging rights for knowing Amelia's name. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Um. So we only have one more episode left in this book of Infinity Train. Um. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, it's coming up quick, and there's, you know, as much as this season has been a lot, it's gonna be so much more next week. I hope y'all are ready. <laughs> yep. And as I mentioned on the Twitter, we are basically looking at covering the Mona before book four, basically between these two, because, uh, we should probably cover more Andy Stevenson stuff, huh? <laughs> I mean, 
I would like to do that. It's not an obligation by any means. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's releasing in a few weeks, and we're both curious to watch it because it's like, I mean, it's been ages since I read the book, so it's like, I feel like just from the setting that they've shown, it looks a little bit different, because I remember it being as, like, sci-fi, but still with, like, medieval stuff. Um, no, obviously, like, there were, like, mechanical arms and stuff, but that's also, like, something that seems like it's just a thing in a lot of fantasy these days. According to early reviews, it is extremely a different story, so... Yeah, that's what I would expect. But yeah. it's, like, it's, it's still, like, the same cast, just kind of in a different setting, in a sense. Like, but it's also it's, sure. but it's also a case of like it's explicitly queer. We've covered Shira before. It feels right to take a break between books and cover it real quick. Yeah, it's um, I don't know. It, I'm having difficulty phrasing my thoughts again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's been a rough week for you. To be fair, you you are looking down the barrel of having to move in a few days. <laughs> Yes, yes, indeed. As of this recording. <laughs> I'm looking down the barrel of my entire immediate family is going to be in my apartment for a week starting Monday. <laughs> yeah, which is like, that's a lot of people to keep in your apartment, because like, honestly, honestly, I don't know how large your apartment is, but even then, trying to fit like more than just a handful of people in an apartment for a while is annoying. Yeah, yeah. Mm, it's It'll be fine. About a thousand square feet. <sighs> So that's 250 each. That's entire New York apartments. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's like, I mean, my apartment's like something like, I think, 500 square feet, I think, overall. It kind of doesn't feel like it because it's a studio apartment, but I think it is because it's a little bit on a larger studio apartment side of things. <laughs> but even then, it's like, if I had more than like just two people in here, I feel like it'd be cramped in here. But that's also because, again, it's like one room, not including the bathroom. <laughs> Yeah. Also, I only have two chairs at my table, so it's like I would have to drag my computer chair over if we had a third. <laughs> and I don't have a couch, because it's, <laughs> it's just me. <laughs> I'd like to get a couch, but also I really don't have any spot to put it. Maybe one I wanted instead is like one of those like nice reclining chairs to have like a little like book reading space or something. Yeah. But also those are expensive. <laughs> yeah... Yeah, believe me, I know. A book collector, you have to... Collecting books is expensive, and so is setting everything around them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I think we're good. So until next time, uh, I don't think there's much left to say, but remember, us weirdos have to stick together. together. Bye! Bye.